Cocoa Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Murphy, Alan Huffman, Amigos Retro Gaming, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donaghy, Brian Weasler, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Rick Eulin, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Rob Inman, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., Tim Lindner, Tom Heron, and Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off-color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Coco Talk, where today we bring you a very special guest, Sheldon McDonald. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. All right, everybody, it's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks. It is time for Coco Talk, and we have a panel of all kinds of people here. We've got an audience, a live audience, Kevin Holloway, always here early. Hello, Kevin. Ken Reichard wanting to know if Sheldon McDonald has a farm. Jeremy Landry saying, I came here to watch Coco Talk and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. Sloopy Malibu's out there. Tim Lindner is out there. Jim Rye, Tom Eric Gunderson, Kevin Holloway, Nick Morota, Mark Overholzer, uh, Scott Cooper. Hey, Scott. Kevin Holloway, Mark on Twitch. All right. Hello, audience. The audience is packing in. The panel is here. Mikey is here from Santa Fe. Mikey's here. He likes it. He likes it. Let's say hi to the panel and let's get on with the show. We have the assembler of things. Mr. George Jansen is here today. Hello, George. Thank you for being here. Morning, good afternoon, good evening, whichever which time zone you're in. Everybody's great. having a good day. We have our foreign correspondent from the great white north, oh, Canada. It is L. Curtis Boyle. Welcome, Curtis. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. And welcome to you being here. And we have our resident Apple guy. He's back, Mark Overholder, sir. Hey, Marco. Hey, glad to be here. Sorry I was gone. You were missed. Name so nice. We must say it thrice. You know him. You love him. It's none other than... David Ladd. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And Nick quits the show. Uh, you know who we're talking about. We're talking about, of course. Uh, thank you. Yes, you're too kind. And thank you. Oh, no, that's not the right button. Maybe it's this one here. Stop right there. No, damn it. I'll find the right button. I think button. you should just stop. Right there now. it is. <laughs> there it is. Nick Morota. How are you, Nick? I'm doing all right. And how our host. Doing? Stevie, the king of smoothness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never gets old. Never gets old. Never gets old. Never gets old. Come All right. The, show. the guy, the stunt double for that famous legendary rock band ZZ Top, Rick Eulin is here. Hey, Rick. So we're doing this again. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Our backup streamer, uh, Mark Bosley's with us. Hello, Mark. Hello. The guy who makes things with toggle switches and fake Australian names, Jason the Cocoa Man Riker is here. We have an audience. Did I hear you say that? They're in. They're slowly but surely coming in. They're yeah. waking up. We have the host or co-host or semi-host of the Amigos Retro Gaming Show. John is here. John Schaller, hey. Boat of Car. Hello. I'm back from Arizona, and I've just about cooled off. All right. <laughs> and a genuine Australian product, Nick Morentes is here. Good eye, Nick. G'day, world. <laughs> hello, hello. And we now turn our attention to our, our special guest today, our guest of honor, the reason why everybody's here. Um, Sheldon McDonald has joined us. Hello, Sheldon. Hey. <laughs> and thanks for joining us. I can tell you, much like David Ladd, I am excited that you are here today. We have a lot to talk about. You do a lot of things. I don't even know where to begin. But we'll begin somewhere. Um, so, Curtis, what should we ask Sheldon first? His backstory, what he did back then? Yeah, I, I would say the first thing we should ask Sheldon is what got him into computers? What was the first computer he used? And uh, what got him into the Coco? And that may cross over, depending. Take it oh, away, Sheldon. Oh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Where to begin? Um, so, I grew up in uh, Prince George, B.C., uh, we lived out on a farm. That was before Christ? Oh, so that answers Ken's question. You you did have a farm. Okay, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, my uh, my dad had the uh, TRS-80 Model 1, which uh, us kids weren't allowed to touch. And so he bought us uh, a color computer, too, uh, which was 64K. And we had the uh, disk drive and a bunch of rainbow magazines. Um, yeah, so probably around like age 11, 12, I started, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was getting into games a lot more and, and, uh, you know, I found a, a few games in the rainbow magazines that, uh, that I wanted to type in. And, uh, actually I have, um, the one magazine in particular here, which, which actually got me into this completely. Um, you guys are very probably familiar with this one. Yeah. So there's uh, there's two games in here. One of them is Bubble Wars, and another one is uh, Commandos. And uh, I really really wanted to try these games out, but they took like forever to type in. And uh, 
you know, just with my spare time, uh, I just kept coding and plugging away at it. And eventually you finally get it all in there and you go to run it and then you find that it doesn't work because you typed in errors somewhere and, and you got to go back and try to figure out what's wrong. And boom, finally I got some, some games going. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, after like, you know, typing so many of those, those projects in, I actually started picking some of it up and started understanding uh, what was making those games tick. Um, we didn't have any, uh, any other uh, computers at the time. Uh, at school, I think we were, what were we using? Oh, back in Prince George, uh, you know, it's funny. When I was in uh, grade two, I remember we had a, a computer lab that was just full of Apple IIEs. And uh, this was probably, uh, it probably took a while for them to, to do upgrading, but uh, those are like the most memorable old computers that, that I remember playing around with. Um, so anyways, uh, we eventually moved to Alberta and uh, that's when I acquired my first uh, 286 and I started playing around with uh, QBasic and stuff and, uh, and I found there was a website devoted to, uh, to programming in QBasic. Uh, so I was uh, checking out some of the stuff on there. They had, there was a lot of uh, games like like a Bomberman clone in Basic and all sorts of things. So it was all exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, from there, um, you know, I I eventually acquired uh, a Windows uh, 95, 98, and stuff. But I I always found Basic interesting and and uh easy like just easy to to code so i've always just played around with basic stuff uh, as a hobby um it was actually uh just a few years ago that uh i started playing around with the color computer again and uh i wanted to get this uh music i wanted to play around with music with it I always thought that, uh, you know, the color computer, you know, it, it's lacking in music, but maybe there's something I can do with it. And uh, that's when I learned about uh, some of the new hardware and stuff that was coming out. And and uh, that's when I, when I guess I got sucked back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's your little backstory there for you, Curtis. Yeah, a little better. Yeah. 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 A little bit of history. So then uh, you'd mentioned during the, the, the pre-show that um, you got into 3D printing without much of a purpose in it at the time. It was just kind of you got into it a bit. And that kind of brought you back into the Cocoa for designing things for the Cocoa itself. That's right. Um, you know, I, it was actually the first thing I printed for the, uh, for the color computer was the, uh, the um, cartridge for the SD reader that uh the zipster sells oh the cool uh, I, yeah so i had bought bought them originally when he wasn't selling the the lids with them uh with the cases so i uh was on uh, thingiverse and i saw that they there was one up there so that was uh some of the first uh color computer stuff i printed um and then 
But before that, like getting into the 3D printer, um, it was pretty expensive. I mean, I got into it right when it was starting to come out. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very expensive hobby to learn. <laughs> um, I must have spent thousands of dollars on on fixing my 3D printer because I did something wrong or, uh, you know, just just maintenance stuff that uh, that you learn eventually as you as you get more practice with it. But uh, I don't even recall what I originally bought the 3D printer for. I think it was just a toy that I wanted to try, you know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I actually found uh, once um, once I saw um, the Game Master cartridge. Uh, that actually sucked me into thinking, hey, maybe I can, maybe I can 3D print a case for that and make some sort of, you know, sound card or something for for an MPI, like just uh, just for music only. And so I I went through several iterations of of game cartridges and and uh, I'm finally I think close to a, a finished one that I'm not going to alter anymore <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh it's it's been fun it's been interesting i kind of get to mix uh hardware and stuff with software now and and uh yeah it's been a it's uh basically why i've been sucked back into it i guess <laughs> I, I know one of the first yeah. encounters we had with you on facebook and stuff and stevie himself because he's got some of the prototypes so was it you made some uh, game controllers and specialized digital joysticks and you also on the pre-show and you should show it again you did a miniaturized black beauty joystick because it's just yeah. not small enough to hand cramp <laughs> I, actually, I, just, I just dug mine out i had to find them real quick but yeah these were my the two mini controllers that you had sent me and and yeah because you, you were saying look i want you to because you probably heard me complaining in one of my videos about how hard <laughs> downland was to hit those corners and stuff and you're like try this on downland because the little thumbstick it's really good. It's like a great eight-directional semi-analog, yeah. but very you know kind of snapping back uh, connector. And yeah, it does work pretty good on downland for sure. So these were your kind of ones that you had sent me, and they're yeah. they're pretty cool, man. I gotta say. So. Uh, yeah. So that was actually the first uh, iteration of controllers that I that I was working on. So uh, yeah, I have that one here as well. Ooh. Ooh. little guy <laughs> and then it kind of uh what did it go to it um it kind of got redesigned a little bit bigger okay but it's not it's still not you know it's not perfectly rounded or anything again i'm not like a, a 3d artist or anything so i'm kind of tinkering around with 3d models and stuff and you know, I'm kind of learning that at the same time, right? Um, and then from there, I, I did the the mini one. So this is the this is the Black Beauty, right? And this is my my little one. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> yeah, the mini Black. And it, it actually, it, you know, it, it should technically work too if I wire it. I mean, the buttons there, and uh, I just uh, misplaced my. Uh, my uh, joystick. I'll have to print another one off for it. <laughs> we do have a request uh, from Coco Burning yeah. want to know where they can purchase a controller. So uh, oh. <laughs> how would one reach out to you if they wanted to get a controller from you? 
Oh gosh, uh, you know, I wasn't really, uh, you know, I I played with the idea of uh, you know selling them, but you know, it, it's it's fun. It's fun designing this stuff. Uh, I'd rather release it as a as a free project. Um, I can put the models up on Thingiverse for for uh, people to download with uh, with with instructions on printing it. Uh, if you're absolutely don't want to do any soldering or or you know find the the hardware, I I, su I suppose I could I could definitely uh, put some together. Wait, would you be interested um, in doing a partnership with somebody else to manufacture based on your designs if, if they wanted to? Oh, probably, but I mean, it's 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 all just for fun mostly. It's uh, it was never intended to to make anything. It was just to uh, you know just to have fun and and see what I could what I could do with it. You know? Um, yeah, because like Tim Linder mentions that there are companies that will three D print for you. Uh, oh, yeah. Fred Provence says, "Oh, that mini Black Beauty is so cute." Probably <laughs> means he wants one too. So, I think you got a, a workable that is, product. It is pretty cool. It's it's just missing the the the. the now, would it I, would it use it that little off. thumb stick like you have on your other yeah. ones, or would you put a more like pot style stick on there? Well, that's just it. I mean, I could redesign it so it it actually fits the original in there. <laughs> but it could look funny. <laughs> Maybe Maybe I could just if anybody ever the makes stick. a portable cocoa, they can give these miniaturized joysticks. You can fit it all into a nice little small case yeah. and take it along with you on the road. Yeah. And actually, you know what? There was a controller design before before this one. Uh, my very first take on it was actually uh, this. This one I have. Uh, I actually just put the guts of uh, a Black Beauty inside of it. Okay. And then I had the the two fire buttons, and then I had some. I was trying something different. I actually had uh, two wires coming off of this one, so it would plug into both controller ports mm. uh, for those two buttons. But I have since robbed the wiring from that <laughs> for a different project. <laughs> <laughs> but I kept the controller intact just for just for fun, just to just to look back and say, hey, I made that. That was that was the first one. <laughs> Yeah, um, so now they've uh, actually evolved. So the last controller design I have is, is this one. Oh, that's so nice. This one is is uh, much more rounded. Uh, there's a hell of a lot more screws in there. Yeah, <laughs> but it's got the same directional uh, control. Okay, okay, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and then the two buttons. Yeah, it's getting closer to like that's almost the size of like the original NES controller. You know? Yeah, it's uh, getting closer. So, I mean, if you put it into comparison with this one, with the Black Beauty, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's getting up there. Whoop, a little more this way. Yeah. Okay. So you can see it's getting bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this one's actually a lot more a lot more comfortable, okay. for sure. This one's pretty good. Yeah, you can get some serious carpal tunnel on those little ones there, <laughs> playing, playing for a while. Yeah. For sure. And, you know, the, the inside of those things is, is quite simple. There's no circuit board or anything, uh, well, other than the, the thumbstick. So I bought these off of uh, eBay. And the only problem with these is that the uh, ground is reversed for the Y-axis. Uh, so you have to actually cut the traces on the back so you can rewire it so it's compatible with other color computer games. Mm. But uh, but these work pretty good. I mean, uh, I'd even say you get more than eight directions out of it. It's, it's, it's kind of almost of like, 360, right? 
it's close. Like it, it probably skips values. So, uh, you know, if it spits out a value between zero and 63, I'd say you're good for maybe half that for resolution. It seems to pick it up okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, the rest of it, I mean, it's just a little tactile button that I that I put in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually have one that's opened up somewhere. <laughs> so this is, uh, I mean, it looks a little little rough inside, but it's you can see that that the only board that's actually in there is that. Um, is that little uh, thumbstick, the, the, thumb, the analog the thumb stick. thumbstick and the buttons, yeah. yeah. And this is the, That's right. Okay. Yeah, so a little work needs to be done on that thumbstick to make it compatible with the with other games. I mean, I, I could have just wired it straight up, but it would have been only good for new projects, so mm, kind of yeah. defeats the purpose. Mm. <laughs> Try to make it somewhat compatible with other games. But, uh, <laughs> hey, Ron yeah, Belvo's so out there. Hey, Ron. Ron says he can't join us today. He's going to a funeral. Yeah, and Karen, Karen's in the chat now too. So. Hello, Karen. Yeah. No, that's that's a really neat design. I like that, and it's an it's a fun stick to play with. It's semi analog, semi digital. You know, it's kind of the best of most worlds. You know. Yeah. So this is like a, a rough three D print of what the model looks like before I clean it up. Oh, cool. Yeah. All so your then, screw uh, holes are in there. The yeah, button, button exactly. housings and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just out of curiosity, on your particular 3D printer, how long does it take to make the shell for one of those? This, uh, four hours. Four hours to print it out. Yeah. Okay. It's not terrible. I'm, I'm printing, like, 0.1 resolution or something, too, so it's, uh, <laughs> probably that probably wasn't necessary, but, uh, things fit a little bit better. I find parts mesh together better uh, when you use a lower resolution like that. So Sloopy Malibu in the chat is asking, do you have a how-to for making them? Um, I can definitely put one together. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I said, uh, you know, this this project was, was just for fun. So, you know, I'll slap those models up on, on Thingiverse and uh, uh, with some instructions on what parts you need to Like a build uh, of materials, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I I can put some together if people want me to. Uh, it's a little bit time-consuming, though, so uh, it'll Well, that's why I think a partnership <laughs> with somebody who actually has some yeah. manufacturing equipment to do this a lot easier and quicker might might be something. If there's an interest, and there's definitely a few people interested in the chat already, and, you know, we've still got hundreds of people that watch the show after the fact. Yeah, yeah. One or two, so. Yeah, so far you've had a number of people already interested. So, yeah, r rather than focusing on yeah. how much work it would be for you, let's find a way to get somebody to do the work for you. Yeah, because um, our what's the, the what's same. our what's our new friend in Canada that's do, that's offering to Frank do Frank at uh, Canadian. What no? What is oh, it called? Oh boy, RetroRewind. Yes, thank you. Come on, RetroRewind. I, I got his name right. I forgot the company name. My apologies. <laughs> right. That's cool. Yeah, that's just one of the many, many, many things you you've been up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and now you're starting to get like you did a lot of your earlier stuff we saw on Facebook were all hardware designs like the joysticks and the three cases, etc. Um, right. and, and then you started working with like, as you mentioned before, you started working with some of the sound cards. Now you've fiddled around both with the PSG from Zipster Zone, which is a sound chip plus joysticks that's, plus flash RAM. And then you've right. also worked with the Game Master cartridge itself. 
Yeah. So then you decided to marry that up with actually writing your own software now, and you've actually released Terjan Defense, which we can see running in the background. And you've got versions for both of those cards. And I thought maybe you could talk a bit about the design of that because you made a custom 3D printed case for that as well. And Yeah, uh, let's, uh, let's start with the Game Master cartridge because that's actually what uh, drew my interest. Uh, that's what uh, I was really interested in, seeing if I could make uh, a music player that played in the background of a, of a basic program. Um, so I, that's when I started showing some interest in, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how, how can I do this in assembly? Um, th that's what drew me in. <laughs> um, so, you know, programming the, uh, the game master cartridges is pretty simple. Um, the only, the only thing about it, like you can't, uh, you can't read the values that you've sent to it. Uh, so you kind of just have to assume that that it's getting those messages and and uh, that it's playing music. <laughs> um, it was uh, you know I, there was a time when I was uh, you know trying to optimize my music player and and for some reason it was missing notes and I couldn't figure out if it was my my code or uh, it turned out that. Uh, I was just sending the messages too fast to the to the card, um, so it was just a little bit of a little bit of a learning uh, thing. But um, it, it was a lot of fun to to make my uh, first music player. So it ended up being about two kilobytes, and I wrote it with EdTasm for for the for the color computer on, on disk. Was this and was this your very first assembly program you did for the computer? It is, yeah. So I didn't know any of the load effective address commands. <laughs> um, I was really grasping at straws for this one. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Um, I used ABX a lot. That was the that was the one main way I, I figured out how to um, to to get values over and to adjust my index. You know, I was using ABX like crazy. <laughs> and uh, I, I struggled a bit trying to, uh, to save index values uh, so I can go back to them. And, uh, you know, Simon actually came along and, and uh, he helped me out with that stuff. And, and uh, I started learning a lot from him. And, <laughs> and uh, you, know, you know, I start picking at his brain uh, enough and, Suddenly, I, I figure that well, what am I even doing in basic? I, I feel like I can do all this in assembly now. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually had uh, my my Treasure Island defense game I was working on. It was in basic, and once I seen the power of assembly and and started learning it, I just completely dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Simon's yeah. a great resource for people that are learning assembly to just you know, to ask questions and, and get help with routines and stuff. So absolutely. He's, he's helped quite a few and people. I think he's years. joined us now too. Simon, are you there? Kind of. His ears are burning because we're talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> His ears are burning one of those skinny cigarettes. <laughs> I've got one of Shovin's wacky things in. Let me uh, see if I can't uh, switch back. Where is Simon? Oh, there you got one of his controllers. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Oh, which one is it? Which build was it? It was the dark one. 
It, it must be this model. Yep. Yeah, I thought so. You're the only one that... Ha oh, no, that's not true. Um, Terry Steege has one. <laughs> <laughs> and you have one. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Does he have the double splitter? Uh, he does, I think. I think I sent him the dual splitter for the for the two button. Yeah. Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about. Does this game need a right joystick or a left joystick? That's right. <laughs> Very cool piece of kit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I have a question. Like Trevor Dial in defense, obviously you were learning to use the music because you want to do background sound on it. So what inspired you to do that type of a game? And then what also made you want to make it for the Coco VJ specifically, instead of trying to cram it into a Coco one or two? Okay, so originally this was a basic game. Uh, I had already finished it. It was written in basic. You can actually play it. I just didn't release it. Um, it was very slow. You know what? It was. I was kind of trying to think, what kind of game can you make in basic that'll you know be okay for speed? And I thought maybe like a like a defense. Uh, a tower defense style type game where you're just protecting something. And that's where I came up with, uh, maybe what if it's like a pirate ship or something, or, you know, they're trying to steal your gold. <laughs> you just shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's where it kind of came from. Um, you know, th this isn't actually the only work that I've been doing. Um, I've actually been doing a lot of uh, basic programming for, for windows and uh, so I got a couple of game projects that I've been working on there. And, uh, you know, this stepping back into the color computer to, to learn assembly and, and uh, this, you know, how, how, did, how were people doing this uh, back in the 80s? Uh, this, this has actually piqued my curiosity. You know, I've, I've just been, I've dropped all my, my most of my uh, Windows development and I'm just, playing around with the color computer again that, that's as it should be so that's good <laughs> <laughs> well you know i could i could do a quick showcase of uh two pc games uh, yeah i'd like to see that. that i dropped for for playing on the color computer and people would be scratching their head why <laughs> yeah yeah feel free to show us whatever, whatever you want to show us but yeah, yeah. So what, 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 for, to go back to one of my original questions so what made you choose to make it for the coco vj as opposed to just the plain coco one or two was it just because you had one and you want to try the colors or, or did you kind of plan it that way from the beginning or? Okay. Um, so I actually started playing around with semi graphics. Um, so I, I think I showcased a, a little bit of like a, a Zelda style, uh, top down view game engine that I was working on. Oh yeah. We remember, and, I remember looking at that. Yeah. I can, I can showcase that again today. Um, so, you know, I, I was doing a little bit of that. You know, it, it's really tough to get good-looking graphics on on a sprite that's like four by four pixels. <laughs> and you can't even mix and match the colors in them either. So no, yeah. exactly. You black and another color. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, it, it, the, the development's looking. It was looking okay, um, but you know, I started. Uh, you know, I had a Coco VGA already. So I started picking Simon's brain. I started asking him, "Hey, how do I flip this thing on? <laughs> how do I how do I get this thing to work? Um, maybe I can just move my project over to this." And uh, you know, some some clever some clever thinking. Uh, me and Simon managed to 
uh, map the Color Computer 3's memory in the exact place as the Coco VGA. And, uh, you know, you write it, you just write for, for that graphics and, and, and it's working on the Color Computer 3 and the, the Coco VGA. So to me, that was a win-win <laughs> and you get so 16 colors. <laughs> yeah, because you're using, what is it, the 128 by 96 16 color mode on the Coco VGA? That's right. Yeah. And then the same mode on the Coco 3, because Gimme has a yeah. bazillion modes to choose from. Yeah, and it's actually really complicated to set the color palette uh, for the Coco VGA. I, I still don't even understand it. Uh, that was all Simon. Yeah, you have to catch it on the V-Sync and program <laughs> I, a certain page. Yeah, and... so that's all Simon. I, that's why I, he's not credited enough, honestly. <laughs> now, a but, question uh, for Simon and you both, I guess, on, on the color palette here, because I know there's two versions of the Coco VJ. There's one that had the 512 color palette, and there's a later version that is the 32,767 color palette. Do you support both, or do you just shoot for one of them? Um... If you take the most recent version that supports the 32K palette, um, it's just a question of the bits because uh, it's backwards compatible. Oh, okay. Oh, so, nice. So the so RGB values, the bit values for RGB are going to map out the same throughout the bytes. Yeah. If, if you look at the specs for the Coco VGA, um, on the older versions, it will say like reserved. Mm. X amount of bits, it, it goes across um, 16 bits. Yeah. There's two registers, and you've got like um, three bits for each RGB component or five bits for each RGB component. But those are actually reserved on the 512 color. Uh, okay. Version. So it, it treats them as the most significant bits of the color, basically. Yeah. On the 512 versus, the, and then you have more resolution of color. Okay. Yeah. I've read the specs and I've fiddled with it very briefly a couple of years back, and, but I haven't really delved into it, so I was kind of curious. So that makes yeah, so, it kind of universal to code for. Yeah, and Simon has some sort of calculation there that he can uh, match up the original uh, colors from the Coco 3 uh, to the VGA. I don't know how he's calculating it, but yeah. I just It's along the same lines of what we were just talking about, actually, because yeah. the, the Coco has two bits per color. The yeah. original Coco VGA has three, and then the newer one has five. So basically, you just map it to the highest bits, and it'll kind of translate automatically. Yeah, so I kind of just gave uh, I gave Simon, this is, this is my color palette that I want. <laughs> how do I get this VGA <laughs> set like this? <laughs> Which brings and, up the next uh, question, of course, because yeah. the Gimme X also supports 512 color mode which would be exactly the same as the older coco vj so you could tweak if you didn't want to use extra colors you could use it uh on the gimme x the same thing theoretically the way i do um the palette translation for gimme to or should i say gime which is the way i say it <laughs> gimme or gime so, um, or acvc or whatever the heck the other acronym is <laughs> the way I do the color translation is actually looking at it because, as you said, Curtis, you have uh, on in the Coco 3 RGB, you've actually got two bits per component. Um, and what I do is take those same two bits and put into the two bits what we Coco VGA, you know, so I yep. just take the highest bits, so you've got an 
Yeah. I think you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 There's, <laughs> you just got some padding around them because there's more fidelity. There's more bits per color in that other unit. Exactly. Because, I mean, the Coco 3, if you look at it, you've got three levels for each component. Yeah. You've got 0, 85, 173. Oh, sorry, you've got four levels. 0, 175. Oh, sorry, 0, 173. Um, uh, zero, yeah, eight, if you're mapping it to the 8-bit the per component like you know, modern machines do, yeah. 0, 85, 173, and 255. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because the Coco VGA, the first generation, and the Gimmex both have the same color palette that the Atari ST had, which is 3 bits per, that's 512 colors. And then the Coco uh, VGA, the second edition, actually is, you know, 32,768 colors, basically. So it's kind of like, you know, VGA or Super VGA. I can't remember which one had that first. Or I guess that actually had six bits per, I think. So I can't remember. It's technically, but yeah. So it's pretty cool because that means the Gimme X would support basically the same color resolution that you're using on the Coco VGA on this, too. So that might be another option for an update in the future if you decide to get fancier with your colors. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, right now, basically, what he did say though is he's just he's just mirroring the Coco three bits three, and palettes yeah. anyway. So it's all and well, the colors he's currently using would look the same regardless. But the ability to slide the hues in those colors, you're gonna get a lot more, a lot more options. Uh, yeah. I like the palette though; it looks good. It suits the game. Yeah, you know, I came up with uh, sixteen colors that I was happy with for, you know, the the full range of games or pictures or whatever and i wanted to basically make it so i never have to change those <laughs> <laughs> and i'm going to show you my tools today that uses those colors yeah i'm um, looking forward to that but uh i still got some hardware stuff to kind of go through first sure, sure. Yeah, um but you had asked me a question about the pga or sorry yeah the uh sorry the 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 programmable sound generator, yeah. The PSG versus PSG. the GS, GMC. PSG. Uh, what was that question again? <laughs> I was just curious. Like that that particular card has flash RAM. It has joystick ports, which I believe are digital. Um, it also yeah. has its own sound chip, which is a little bit different than the one in the Game Master cartridge. Um, so what what made you decide to try that? Is it just because you had one lying around too, as well as a GMC, and just tried to try both ways, or is there so, something you were looking for? <clears throat> So I had the uh, Game Master cartridge first. So I had done a uh, a music uh, player for that and and everything. And then then I saw that uh, uh, Ed Snyder had uh, had one had a sound card that uh, had joystick ports. So that uh, and a audio out port. So that uh, kind of got me a little interested. So I had ordered one to to play around with it. And, uh, you know, it was actually pretty easy to set up and use. Um, what's got me further interested right now is that it has the ability to uh, write to itself. I mean, I can, I can load up code on, on disk or whatever, and, and I, can, I can software flash it. Um, so... I'm actually I've actually started working on a uh, filing system for the PSG, and my idea is is really to to turn this hardware into like a, a NES Mini, if if we can dump uh, ROMs or whatever onto this and have a nice graphical uh, menu where you can you can pick your 
your titles and uh, with kind of like a mouse style or graphic style interface and be able to easily add to it. Like people can customize their own menu uh, with whatever programs they want on it. Um, so that's got me very interested. The other part is that it also has 512k of of RAM that you can uh, that you can access for for game for programs that are running. Um, so really, it, it opens it opens a lot of doors for for new software to take advantage of that uh, that memory. Well, especially for Cocoa ones and twos. I mean, a Cocoa three yeah. we get five, twelve, two meg, eight meg, so you have a fair bit of RAM to fiddle with. But on a Cocoa one or two, if you had a large game which had a lot of graphic resources or sound samples or whatever else. The reason we don't get very complicated ones is you have to fit it onto a 150k disc all the time. This yeah. way, you could preload it off. You know, you do it once. You copy three discs worth of stuff onto the RAM, and you can have digitized samples or little musical soundtracks, whatever else in the background. Fairly complicated ones, and, and lots of levels or whatever else, and then you can just read it off the flash on a Cocoa One or Two on a 64k machine. Yeah, there's also there's also the benefit of running a program off of a, a ROM cart. Um, you can do double speed uh, on the color computer one and two by mm. doing that. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, and so that's part of my my cheating with uh, with uh, Treasure Island Defense is that it's actually using a high speed poke on on the Coco one or two equipped with a VGA, and that's why you'll notice it even runs a little faster on the color computer three. It'll actually use its high speed poke. <laughs> which is ram and rom yeah yes yeah cool yeah so it, this game is kind of a learning experience for me too right um it's very inefficient <laughs> for as far as drawing stuff goes on the screen i'm literally erasing that screen redrawing it from scratch every frame and then copying it to the display memory area that's showing. <laughs> I, I so think one thing you'll find surprising if you go through game yeah. developers who've done a ton of game projects like Rick Adams, Nick Randy's and others, they don't write the most optimized code in the world because they want to get the game done. And that's more important than, you know, tweaking every single cycle. Now, with certain games, you may want to take a routine and like really optimize the bejesus out of it. But generally, I mean, I, I'm used to optimizing stuff from Nitrous 9 because that was basically what we created the whole project for was to optimize it. But it, it's kind of fun going through some of his games because I look at that stuff and going, oh, God, why did you do that? I'm sure Simon does the same thing because he's kind of <laughs> along the same line. But on the other hand, they got five games out in you know, a couple of years and I've got zero. So, I mean, <laughs> the, the balance is bestly, definitely more in make it easier for yourself to program and get the game done. And machine language is fast enough. Usually that doesn't really matter You can unless you're trying to do something super complicated. That's what I've always liked about BASIC. I mean you really just have to think of what you're trying to do and just write it down and, and it's doing it. <laughs> so it can be very fast in a developing way, but it's slow on a, you know, execution, an execution yeah. you know? Um, so that's why I'm going to showcase a tool that I've been working on later today that uh, kind of mashes the two together, <laughs> but the end product is assembly. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Now I have, I have one final question on your, are you experimenting with the PSG and then maybe we'll start getting into some of the demos of the, the products you're doing. You can show off the cartridge case, et cetera. Um, because you're kind of favoring the PSG now because of the flash Ram and the 
the, um, you know, being able to run ROM stuff at double speed and then the, you know, the extra uh, joystick ports and stuff. Is there any plans for doing a four-player game? Because I'm assuming those joysticks can be used at the same time as the standard two and the Coco. So you could theoretically come up with a complete four-player game with joystick controls instead of trying to cram two people on a <laughs> keyboard like Gauntlet 2 does. <laughs> you know, something interesting. I was talking to, well, I was just uh, uh, private messaging uh, Ed Snyder. I was asking him, can I compatibly put two of these in an MPI at once without frying something. And he says, absolutely. So, I mean, you could pop two of those in and have four digital uh, Xbox, or sorry, uh, uh, Sega Master System controllers in there or Atari or whatever. <laughs> so that's a possibility, absolutely. Um, there's, there's lots of room for, for, for new development there, definitely. Cool. <laughs> Okay, I don't think I have any more questions on kind of going over, you know, roughly what your projects are. Now it's time to kind of delve into them so you can show off, you know, Treasure Island Defense, the cartridge design, because you did rather unique uh, cartridge design for that. And then, you know, how that cartridge works and, and maybe, you know, demo the game a little bit for those who haven't seen it. And then, of course, so your development tools and stuff, which is the, you know, the, the main part of a lot of our software authors here will want to see. Okay. Um, Okay, I have a little bit more hardware stuff. Should I show that first? Yeah, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, sure. we'll clean up the hardware first. Okay, yeah, let's let's finish up with the hardware. Uh, got all this stuff on my desk here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know, I've I've been uh, you know trying to find ways to develop for the color computer faster, and the only way you can do that is with a modern day computer. Um, so this is one of the the things I was working on. Um, what what this is is a uh, it's a USB joystick interface where uh, you can plug in all these buttons and and all that stuff. So what I what I did with this, you can buy these off Amazon. Um, they're probably like ten bucks or something. Um, I've actually managed to rig a Black Beauty for uh, uh, for for programming on on an emulator. So I've kind of got this one kind of rigged here uh it looks like a mess but you know it uh <laughs> i like i like it, the zip ties <laughs> yeah so it actually allows me to use a uh a color computer controller uh on the emulator for for fast testing right and it works great um i can do some uh i could probably write up some sort of uh, information on creating one of those if anyone is interested. Yeah. It, it Paul, does. Paul, is it Paul Fiscarelli that done this one here, which is similar? It's a USB. Yeah, Paul Fiscarelli has something you can buy from him that does that. It's then a, you plug in the, the Coco joysticks, joystick the to USB right adapter, there, and then you can plug I think in it's, the, got probably, like a, it's got a microcontroller or something in it that's yeah. handling some of that stuff. That's probably a proper uh, way to do it because uh, his version will be different, most likely. Yeah. Um, I even have to actually make a modification inside the controller wow. uh, to make that work. Okay. Uh, so I can no longer use my uh, <laughs> my Black Beauty on the actual color computer. No wonder you're so making extra mini ones. It, it took one. It <laughs> took one for the team, right? So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but but it makes things so much easier for testing. Yeah. You know, you yeah. just yeah, you're just uh, it's it's quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so so there's that. Um, so yeah, we'll get into my, uh, cartridge here. So, um, 
My cartridge is pretty simple. Somebody was saying that your build of material for that must include zip ties on that <laughs> joystick adapter. Yeah, that was Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> so I know a lot of people will be familiar with these, right? You can get these uh, uh, off of uh, off the internet. Sage Park, Mark J. Blair. That's right. What yeah. is that now? That's a that's a normal ROM. That's a yeah. It's just a like a. It's an easy to to use ROM cartridge design. Okay. And um, I can. Uh, should I do a screen share here? You can. Sure. Need to. Why not? Let's. Sharing is caring. Have a look here. Okay. Is it actually showing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see it. Okay. Perfect. Um, so this is the uh, the ROM cartridge I'm talking about. Um, so if anyone's curious and, and they actually want to try, you know, create it, like trying to make some ROM cartridges, you know, just out of curiosity or whatever, um, this kind of shows you that that they uh, they fit right into a into a standard uh, cartridge. Um, and there's a nice uh, ordering page right here. Uh, so this uh, website, I, I just have it here. Uh, it's uh, like it's going like to Osh Park, yeah. Yeah. So that's where I where I ordered my my stuff from. Um, so when we go to this page, hopefully it loads. <laughs> you'll be presented with this and uh, what the order screen actually looks like because I've, I've ordered these before, you'll want to do a, a medium run um, and probably make the quantity bigger. Uh, you'll, get a, you'll get a cheaper price for it. Um, so, for example, let's say I, was, I only wanted one. Um, I think the minimum it's going to give me is probably three. So you're looking at three for, for almost $20. Uh, plus, you're going to have to pay for shipping as well. So if you can do a medium run, uh, the minimum order looks to be 10, and you're already saving money. Yeah, 40 bucks, um, 36 So bucks. you want to buy, buy these in bulk. Uh, I, I usually, uh, when, I, when I was ordering these, I was probably ordering like 40 at a time. <laughs> uh, and yes, I have uh, a ton of them <laughs> laying around <laughs> that, I, that I thought I was going to use, but... <laughs> I'm sure there'll be people um, so, who will take them off your hands. So you can create a <laughs> secondary market. That'd be bring down to a Cocoa Fest and sell you know, individually at a table because you've already paid the shipping. If you bring them all down, people yeah. can buy you know, one or two or five or whatever. Yeah. So so if people are like curious about you know trying to create a cartridge or whatever, this is this is great. Um, it's you know it can be inexpensive. I mean, now does this require yeah. an, an actual EEPROM? Too, this will not work with the flash. Yeah. So. I'm going to go back to my camera here. Let's see. We're not. <laughs> uh, just stop sharing. We can still see your camera, but you just yeah. gotta click on share, stop okay, sharing. Okay, there, there we go. go. There we go. Okay, so I got two ROM chips here. So um, this one is a. Uh, whoop. Where is it? There. There we go. So it's a uh, 257. Uh, W27, let's see, how does it say? W27C257. So this is a 32 kilobyte chip. Okay. Okay. Uh, these are actually 
really darn expensive and hard to get. Um, I don't recommend buying them. (laughs) (laughs) So you're you're just Um, bragging that you have it then, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually, you know what? I I don't know why I bought them. Um, I I figured that, okay, well, I'm going to make... I'm going to make a 32K game. <laughs> but you know what? There's no point. Um, this one, this chip here, um, it's the bigger brother, which is 64 kilobytes. Uh, I'll read that off. It's the W27C512. And that one uh, has has uh, 64K on it. Uh, even though that you're not accessing the whole thing on on the color computer um you know even if you're just using you know an 8k or 16k rom that chip is probably like a dollar a piece wow (laughs) whereas that other one is you know closer to five or six maybe even (laughs) ten oh wow that's a huge price difference yeah it's it's for a smaller chip yeah yeah so it's worth buying the bigger one (laughs) for sure um, so yeah, I wanted to show that first. Um, Let me ask you a dumb question. I've never burned a ROM before, but just because it can hold a certain amount of space, are you, do you have to use all that space? What if you just wanted to burn an 8K ROM to this 512K ROM? Well, you could, you could, could you burn something smaller on it? It would still work. You could work. You could burn one byte. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's not like yeah. the ROM it's has not, to be formatted yeah. or partitioned into certain That's right. sizes or anything like that. Yeah. So now that comes to my next part, the, the programmer. So what I use is a, a TL-866. Uh, this is kind of like a, it's kind of like a, it's got a different name on it, but uh, that's what it is. Um, let's see. So on the back, it says TL-866 2 Plus. Oh, the 2 Plus okay. model. Ooh. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the great thing about this one is it comes with all these adapters and uh, this one adapter I have uh, can actually take the chip off of the PSG and the uh, Coco uh, SDC. Oh, wow. And you can actually read that and reflash the whole thing. Uh, and this is a 512K chip. Hmm. It probably has different sizes, but <laughs> the one that's on that hardware is 512. Um, so, yeah, that, that's mainly what I've been doing my, my programming on, and then it's just Windows software. I mean, you just load the binary in and hit flash, and it burns it in a couple seconds, and it's done. <laughs> um, one good thing to do is to put a, uh, a header um, on, the, on the actual board so you can keep removing the chip if you make a mistake. <laughs> so you can keep reflashing software on it. And and it doesn't yeah rather than soldering yeah. it on which is yeah I mean, then you're yeah. then you're having fun trying to desolder it good luck <laughs> yeah I much prefer sockets yeah. I mean just for like the CPU and the Coco ones and twos most of those were socket not all of them and the yeah. Coco threes were all soldered it's a pain in the ass to upgrade to six or nines because of that that's right and then um, so the game master cartridge whoops so I just have a blank one here um, so it's uh. You know, it's got a pretty similar, like, screw hole lineup. I mean, whoops. Yeah, so, so those holes are very close. And so when I modeled my, uh, my cartridge, I kind of had to just 
side shift one a little bit so it was compatible with both. <laughs> Uh, but since you're, you're you're screwing into new uh, plastic, it, it it should be fine. I mean, you're just you're you're setting it. Uh, you're you're making the grooves for the first time, so uh, it seems to be work pretty good. Uh, so I so the first part of my uh, cartridge. Oh, so this is my uh, cartridge design here. This is my Treasure Island. It looks like game. an NES cartridge. It does, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's cool though. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. guess that's on purpose. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> um, another another part of it was uh, I wanted to be able to use packing tape to, to protect the label. And so I didn't make the label that big because of that reason. I mean, the packing tape oh, just so that's squeezes kind of over like, that. That's kind of yeah. like uh, doing a, uh, a clear coat on it. Yeah, right? exactly. And it kind of protects the uh, the print job. So it doesn't yeah. uh, get all mangled and you know fall apart. Karen um, is asking a question: of What plastic do you use to print your carts? Do you use PLA or are you using something else? Yeah, I'm just using PLA. Okay. Yeah. Um, so inside of this, you can see that there's uh, two little markings there where the 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 screws will catch in. Uh, then I have this three this part printed. This is the part that actually holds the uh, cartridge on. So if I have uh, if I have this guy, it'll fit in just like that. Okay. okay. So just pop the two screws in. Nice. Uh, but at the same time, it'll also hold the, uh, the Game Master cartridge in there as well. Oops. With, with two screws. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of designed to fit both. <laughs> there you go. And then uh, once you once you have that on there, you, this part slides in. Um, there's a if you're doing uh, 3D printing, um, there's a tool that I use. It's a deburring tool. Uh, I highly recommend getting one of these. You take all of the the bad 3D printing off to to help uh, the parts uh, mesh together better. Um, you don't want to just slam something that's not fitting or you'll end up breaking it and, you know, re reprinting it again. <laughs> so as it is, I mean, I can, I can basically slide that in and out and that's what you want it to be like <laughs> or else, uh, you'll just probably end up breaking it. Uh, then there's, uh, one more final insert and I need to actually update my, models on Thingiverse for this. Um, but this is the new insert that goes in oh, it's like uh, the, to, uh, to bury it all. <laughs> and it's kind of like a stabilizer for that edge connector too, right? So it, Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, so I'm going to go back to screen share to, to show yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's really cool. The, I mean, that's a multi-faceted, multi-component cartridge assembly there, but it's yeah. it's wicked cool, <laughs> man. So, so this is my uh, cartridge on Thingiverse that I've done. Um, so the, the early designs of it, um, I actually had, I do have a model that has a audio out jack, okay. which I was originally, uh, uh, setting up for the game master cartridge. Cause I was thinking of somehow making that into a sound card or something. Um, or if you have a game, um, the sound is a little better coming off of the cartridge itself. 
Uh, a big reason for that is that, uh, you know, so many things share the, uh, the uh, DAC on the, on the color computer that, you know, you try to get joystick uh, readings, it actually interferes with the music. <laughs> but there's a certain, uh, certain uh, setup that doesn't. And Treasure Island actually defense uses that uh, uh, the one setup that doesn't muck up the sound. Okay. And that's where it's only reading the X axis on your joystick. <laughs> and so if I had to switch it so I can read Y, it would actually create a stutter in the, in the music playback. Uh, so I just set it up so it was just. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Thought I lost you there for a second. You're back. Oh, Sheldon, we're getting some bandwidth. Your bandwidth is kind of your color bars are shifting from red to yellow, so you, you might uh -oh. you might be having a look. I can hear you again now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah, internet connection unstable. Yeah. No, but that that is a neat design. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's really unique. It hasn't. Uh, we haven't seen something. Oh, look at that. The music notes. Oh yes, this was uh, this was another part of the design that I was doing uh, that had the uh, audio jack on the top. Okay. And it was kind of like, uh, it was similar to the cassette din that goes into the color computer mm. that goes into the top of that. Um, yeah, so I played around with a few designs there. Um, this is the old insert. Uh, the, the new one that I made is uh, it's a lot better. Um, Oh, I even left the old one on there. I guess I should remove that. And then I made a nice little uh, cartridge uh, uh, case. And is that the one that was kind of semi-clear that it slid into? Yes. Uh, yeah. I'll show that again yeah. as well. Oh, and then here's a, here's a little picture of, of some of the stuff I was doing doing then. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. neat. That's a Yeah, really so um, let's see. Oh, what was I going to say? Um yeah, I just lost my train well, of thought. Well, the, uh, the the cover, the cartridge <laughs> cover, the sleeve, the, the cover, the sleeve, the sleeve. Yes. the sleeve. You know, it's funny. I had one right here. Oh, it's right back there. The plane, the plane. I wish I wish Alan Murphy was here because he has one of each of those cartridges too. Okay, there it is. You're back. Yeah. So, so this is the uh, this is the sleeve. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And is that rigid? Is it like a solid thing? It's not like. Is it squishy plastic or? Yeah, you can. It's PLA still. Oh, it is so a little can, bit squishy. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, pretty thin. Yeah. I mean, uh, you could probably break it. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to, but I was just curious as but, far uh, as the... But uh, yeah, so I mean, your your game cartridge fits in there. and Yeah. No, that yeah, is so cool. Yeah, kind of a little bit of a protector. And you can yeah. still see the label. And then I, I did like a little uh, laminated card, like a little instruction. Oh, look at that. Thing look with at it. You. It kind of shows and does that all the fit little characters in, Does that fit in stuff. the sleeve with the cartridge? It stuff? does. So I kind of just slide that in ah, there. So it's almost like you meant to do it that way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was that, yeah, was that on just, purpose or was that a happy little accident? So <laughs> no, that was, uh, it was on purpose. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I was originally trying to make a, a little book for it Yeah. That, that fit in here, but then it made the cartridge too tight Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. just didn't fit. So I was yeah. like, uh, how about just like a little instruction card? Yeah. So I tried that out and it worked pretty good. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah. So that's all my hardware stuff that I have. Oh, that's to all? That's, what a slacker. Talk about, I, I think. A, you're a slacker, man. Come on. Get to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm thinking that's about it for hardware stuff. Um, yeah, so I can go into software now? or You can. You, you can. Take a, I, I, I'm you want to take maybe, a quick break? Yeah, or? yeah. Maybe we'll take a break. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, we're, we're an hour in. As long as you've got time, this is great. But yeah, maybe we'll take a break so everybody can take a potty break and whatnot. But your software development is going to be of interest to a lot of people, I think. Yeah, so, both, both like either your game itself and then also your development tools that you can yeah, work on. Yeah, okay. Time. So we'll take a two-minute or so commercial break. Everybody can go potty, and then we'll be back with more Sheldon McDonald. Let's find a commercial here. And we're going to do TV games. Okay, so we'll be back in about two and a half minutes. Don't go away, unless you have to go potty. And now, these messages. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. Hi, I'm Kieran Anscombe, author of XRAW, and your brain is resolving sensory input into Cocoa Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on, drop by our website and download our latest games. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at CocoMan.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear and he will grant you a product idea. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six-game model for $29.95 or the four-game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. 
Well, we're listening to Sheldon McDonald, but uh, we're back. And before we get into the software side of things, that was a whole lot of showing and telling there. I thought maybe just give everybody a minute if anybody <laughs> wanted to chime in on the stuff we've seen so far. If anybody in the audience had any questions or comments on the, the ROM cartridges and the EPROMs and the and the 3D printing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's a man, there's a boatload. Uh, no pun intended for John there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't take, typically lick, listen to you anyway, Stevie. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of wondering what CAD program is used to make all these. It might blow you away, but I'm using my own drawing software. Oh, okay. That's even better. <laughs> Cool. And David Ladd has joined us. David's a guy who likes making EPROMs and circuit boards and 3D printing and other tinkery type things. Hello, David. Yeah. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing today? We're, we're happy to see you, David. Just wonderful, David. What do you think of all Sheldon's uh, hobbies? Is he, does, he, is, does he impress you, David? Oh, he's got all kinds of nifty electronics. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we got David to use the word nifty. That's an nifty. There we go. Yeah, well, good to see you, David. Uh, yeah, there's uh, you know David's designed some cool things too. He's done. Uh, he's got a uh, PS2 uh, joystick mouse adapter that he's been working on. He's been 3D printing some of the replacement arms for the deluxe joysticks and other things. So it's neat that we have a lot of uh, guys in the community who are tinkering and creating things and experimenting with things. Um, it's cool stuff. Uh, Mark Overholzer is working on one of the boards, the Coco Project board, right? Uh, yeah, I got those, plus David Ladd's mouse adapter, which I have mostly working at just to get the chips programmed. So, um, yeah, cool. So there's some, some folks here on the panel who are, I'm sure, are very interested in what you do because it's right up their alley. Jason Reichard makes some cool joystick adapters and stuff, too. So I don't know if you guys wanted to swap stories, ask questions, anything like that before we move on to the software side of this. No, nope. going once, going twice. Okay. Uh, the software. All right. So, <laughs> so now what we will uh, just have you, whatever you want to do at this point, you, you're gonna you're gonna screen share yeah. whatever the hell it is you want to show us, and we want to see <laughs> it. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I should actually go a little further with the the drawing stuff. So. Okay. Um, I do use my own software, so I. I I did uh, write uh, some 3D modeling software <laughs> in Dark Basic, so that's another basic language, but it's for dark? Windows. Did you get that on the dark web? www.thegamecreators.com. <laughs> 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 okay. We have all sorts of nifty tools for us hobbyists. <laughs> okay, thegamecreators.com. Yes. I'll put that in the um, chat. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, I, I should yeah. So I, I've used my I use my own software, and I've also I also do a bit of drawing with uh, 3D Studio Max a bit, and uh, so I, I've been finding out that I'm not very good, you know, 3D modeling characters and stuff. But uh, you know, something that uh, always kind of piqued my interest was. You know how Minecraft did so well, and you know that's the squarest uh, dang game we've ever seen. And mm -hmm. <laughs> you know the characters and stuff. There's there's not really a lot to it. So 
what can I do that is similar? You know, can I, can I model uh, some characters maybe just, just a little bit better than that? <laughs> so I, I can actually showcase something uh, today that uh, makes drawing uh, characters really, uh, really simple and, yeah, and yeah. fast. Definitely. Um, okay, but before that, let's let's keep it cocoa. I'm gonna start <laughs> off with my first uh, my first uh, uh, programming environment that I started writing on Windows. So I'm gonna go back to sharing my screen here. Okay, so let's have a look. Oops. Oh, right there. I probably should have put all the links that I was going to go on here, but uh, I'm going to start with this one. So this one is, uh, is quite funny because it's actually a uh, basic interpreter running on a basic interpreter. <laughs> Why would you do that? Uh, just out of curiosity, fun and learning, I guess. Um, so this is actually, uh, this is the app game kit. Um, so I, I do a lot of my tools with this uh, software um, and it's in basic. So it's like really simple to use. Uh, it gives you access to, you know, everything from even doing 3D graphics and uh, you name it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and and run this one. Um, this was actually one of the one of the first uh, programming environments that that I kind of built uh, to run on on Windows. Uh, so I can actually load a basic program. So let's let's load this character set. So this is some pretty basic uh, code here. I'm gonna run it, and this is what it would look like on on your uh, color crap. computer, right? Wow! So you wrote a program to interpret Cocoa Basic in yes. Basic on Windows. <laughs> That's as like funny a as that is. Or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, right now, it doesn't do any graphic modes. It's just doing text, but uh, it's pretty cool. Like I did some uh, little test code right to make sure my conditional stuff was working you know and uh you know it it uh it works good um as soon as that benchmarks to see how fast it is <laughs> that's just it that that's a tough part is trying to uh sync it slow it down to the color computer's speed and it honestly needs a lot of adjustments still um, now, just out of curiosity, in this basic here, could you write another interpreter that interprets basic within your interpreter <laughs> basic that you wrote in basic? Uh, just, just, I'm asking for a friend here. So, <laughs> and that friend is David Lab. But. <laughs> uh, um, gosh, that would uh, be a little crazy, but but this whole idea is crazy. So why not? Need to run basic 09. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so once this number hits between 500, now it says, you know, I'm past and lower than. And then when it jumps past 600, it'll give me a different message. So it shows me that my conditional. Uh, okay, I'm past 500 and lower than working. 600. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah. I'm between 500 so I'm gonna, and 600. So I'm, I'm just going to terminate between. that. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I had, uh, there's a game that was done in, in text uh, called Fruit Fly. It's in one of the Rainbow magazines. This one will actually run, which is pretty sweet. I'm pretty proud of it. It's, you know, <laughs> basic and basic. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's going to be running a little bit slower because I got a lot of stuff on the screen, but normally this would be a bit faster. Interplanetary fruit fly. Okay. Now, an interesting thing is it's that, that sound. Can you guys actually hear the sound? No. No. You would have to do that. Stop sharing. Oh, okay. Stop sharing and reshare and check the box that says share system sound. I do this okay. all the time. <laughs> Oh, I see. Yeah. Now, why does the thing on the bottom look like a guy who is uh, leaning forward? I I don't know. That's just how the no, the game was done. That's some very subtle humor that hopefully nobody will get get my reference. Okay. Um, there we go. Sound now. Yeah, there we go. There's the sound. sound. Yeah. So let me play it off the start again. <laughs> it actually had music at the front, and uh, I was yeah. actually able to. Uh, do a little bit of a sine wave uh, coding to it's not calibrated or anything but it'll actually uh, you know make the sounds and everything which is which is funny normally like I said this would play a little faster than what it's doing yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was so, you, who, who needs a PSG when you got that <laughs> sound yeah, I chip. actually remember that uh, we don't need no stinking game. sound chip uh fruit so fly. there's a there's another another program i tried uh and that's what's great is there's so many so much software to to test this thing to see if it's this, working so this is the source code <laughs> inside your interpreter Yes, and this is what would run on on basic normally. Yeah, and your right? interpreter on, does Coco. your interpreter does syntax highlighting too. Um, it does. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it actually shows you where you've closed out brackets and stuff, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but you know, I started learning assembly and kind of just dropped this project completely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty neat to show off. Anyways. Yeah, no, it's uh, honestly, yeah. it's uh, yeah, like uh, this one here. Uh, it shows a, a little bit of uh, your your um, your semi graphics. Oh right? wow, that's <laughs> yeah. impressive. Yeah, I actually read that the first time as micro meth lab, and I was going, "What the heck are you showing?" Me? But... <laughs> yeah, this means it's it's small meth. It's not it's not a large meth. So yeah, micro math lab, singular or double digits. Oh my goodness. And you're doing math too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty neat. And then uh, you know, I could just press Escape to terminate it, and you know, <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> Math. Sorry, guys, I couldn't solve that, that question, so I had to yeah, end yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before too, that you was know. too tough. <laughs> yeah, before you embarrass yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. I did something like that in my programming class mm. in high school on the Apple II. I had done a math math drill that did you know graphically bring up the digits like similar to that so i did something in apple on the apple II basic doing something like that uh, yeah so so you can see this this actual thing is done in basic and that's what's executing that code is you know basic on basic 
<laughs> the funnest part was actually doing the solver. Um, yeah, I actually learned quite a bit from it. And, you know, with this knowledge, you know, I could probably develop a new interpreter language, maybe even an assembly. Mm. <laughs> you know, it could be, uh, it's definitely uh, uh, been interesting for sure. That is, a, that is, yeah, that is, that is beyond. Okay, so that was the first thing I wanted to show. Beyond, beyond <laughs> words, right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then I, uh, I created a, a drawing program. Uh, this was just to, you know, try to, get, to be able to draw faster uh, to, to get things on the, on the color computer. Let's see here. Yeah, so this I can basically uh, load some images in. I mean, this is only P mode one. So it's like uh, a four color mode. Uh-huh. Uh, so I could kind of, let me, let me pull up that directory so I can kind of show what the original, uh, image looks like. I was going to say for a minute there, it kind of looked like Simon's SG edit tool where you could, you know, put the semi graphics blocks on a text screen, but it's, this is actually for the full, uh, higher res screen. Yeah. Oh, that's actually... Now, are you just cool. demoing it in P-Mode 1, or is that the only res it currently that, handles? That gra I have several drawing applications in there, basically very specific to to one mode. Um, yeah, I guess I got them here. So we'll do a preview. Oops. Okay. So let's see here so I just kind of put this on one side right now it feels like your, it feels like your Windows machines running in your interpreting software right now so. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, like an image uh, example let's see um, I don't know what will look good on on the Coco but that one's called IMG 796 so that's this one here okay so that's the motorcycle yeah. So this will actually convert an image and down, yeah, downsample so is, it to this the, is severely downsampled into into four colors. Okay, that's cool. And that <laughs> but was you can fast. see that it's yeah. So it's actually pulled a, a decent image in. It's a starting uh, point. Yeah. Uh, so if you're trying to bring some graphics in, I mean, uh, now now that it's in there, you can easily edit it. You could change the color set. Oh wow! There's that you're working with. Uh, so. Color set C would be like artifacting. <laughs> That's artifacting. You bet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's try one more, and then I'll move over to the next. Uh, that tool. was fast. How quickly that converted. <clears throat> I got dog eating. For, uh, okay. Yeah, eating uh, McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Okay. So let's this load is... this guy in. Okay. So this one's logo M. Yeah. Uh. see here so this probably isn't going to look very good it's <laughs> actually not that mode. bad not that, actually not that it's bad. recognizable yeah. yeah but yeah like i said it's a starting point so yeah. you can go over it and and edit it and make it look better um so that's one of my uh one of my drawing tools okay uh now we're going to move over to now a could higher you, resolution could you then save that back out as in the binary format that would be displayable yes. on a real Coco. Yes. So this is absolutely. basically a quick image conversion tool to take from modern PC to Coco format. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so this is an updated version of that. 
This one supports the uh, Coco VGA Ooh. and the Color Computer 3. So this is that 16-color palette yeah. that yeah. I had to get help with Simon to figure out how to get that set for the VGA. But uh, let's, uh, let's see how these images look on this one. This one takes a little bit more to convert, uh, a little more time. Um, I'm just going to minimize that. Now, is this a fixed 16-color palette that you've chosen? As a default, yes. or does it adjust depending on the no? Picture? No, it's, this is it's his a palette fixed okay. set. Yeah, okay. I I didn't want to have to pick uh, Simon's brain every time right, I change right. the color. <laughs> just, just like there was the Snyder yeah. cut of Justice League, this is the McDonald cut of color palettes, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So okay, so that was logo, logo M, M, right? Yeah. So having a little bit more colors here probably make it a little more uh, consistent. Oops. Yeah, so like I said, it takes a little more. Oh, you know what? This is the wrong version. I have another one. But it's it's doing it though. We can see <laughs> it's it. It's doing it, and it's oh, doing yeah. it small. Oh yeah. yeah, that looks good. That looks really good. It's almost so. This on. is uh, this is actually the drawing program I did just for the Color Computer Three. Okay. Uh, this is actually a different resolution now that I'm now that I'm seeing it here. Um, but yeah, it actually comes up pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I said, it's it's a little bit uh, slower when it works with the the bigger colors or bigger screen resolutions. Um, that's not the one I meant to show though. Ah, this one, the VGA. So like I said, I've I've done like a iteration of tools for specific uh, screen modes. So if you look at this one, this one's got one twenty eight by uh, ninety six. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is the one that I was actually. Uh, using for for Treasure Island Defense to draw all my stuff. Um, so we'll load this in on that resolution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it actually is pretty comparable. It's, yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. With that chosen 16-color palette. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't change those colors at all. Uh, I wrote some code that... Uh, you know, determines the best color to pick, and and uh, if there's one better, then it'll choose that one. Okay. Um, so yeah, one one image that I'm quite impressed with was uh, was this Mario one. Let's see here. This one, this one surprisingly comes up really dang good. And that's without changing the color palette. It's just the same. Um, again, this one takes a lot longer to load because it's a, uh, I think this is a really high resolution uh, picture. <laughs> but uh, it comes out looking pretty darn good. And Absolutely. The way, the way you see it on the left is exactly how you see it on the color computer. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and you're not the first person that has developed their own tools for, for doing things. So, you know, uh, John Strong has been working on his own tools to design stuff with. And I, I guess that just kind of makes sense, right? And I know Nick Morentes does a similar thing, too, where he creates level editors for some of his games. So it seems like that is um, that starts to make sense to certain people, where if I'm going to be making software... I want to make some, I mean, write some other programs to help making my Cocoa software easier to do, right? So, like when it comes to yeah. getting, you know, images loaded and and things like that, sprite creators. I know Paul Fiscarelli's working on some stuff 
to animate and compile sprites and stuff. So, um, no, nah, that, that's neat that, um, yeah, that you're doing uh, that. I'm, I'm quite happy with, uh, with the code behind that. <laughs> yeah. And this code is actually, obviously is running in windows. So this code would yeah. not run on a cocoa, but this code lets you do an image conversion and then it would output that binary it outputs, files. To, uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so you could devise like a graphical adventure game with a fair bit of color on it, and you know, save your scenes and stuff like that, and just load them straight. Right, and so and and so the and the and the good news is, is like if you, I guess, like like what um, Curtis is saying, if you wanted to do a graphics adventure and you didn't want to design the graphics, you could just Google stuff like, okay, now I need a picture of a beach outside. You can just Google beach picture and then convert it. And then boom, there you go. So there's so much, <laughs> there's so much artwork and and stuff on the internet where you could just you know kind of source through an image search, um, find all kinds of pictures, convert them. That's kind of downscale them and and you know pixelize them so they'll look, you know, they'll look kind of correct on the cocoa, and it will probably almost avoid any type of copyright concern because they've been stepped on so much that it's like uh, you know, um, yeah. Okay, uh, what did I have? That's uh, neat. That's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's it for, for my tools other than RS-DOS tool. Yeah. Uh, I do have two other ones that, uh, but this is, this is kind of, you know, I might be able to use this somehow. Uh, this is some of my PC uh, game development that I've been okay. working on. And but I might be able to use this somehow to, you know, image, uh, you know, 3D looking characters for a 2D game or something. That is uh, so super this is, cool. This is a really awesome tool that uh, you draw the character as it's as it's animated. And as far as I know, I, I don't think anything like this has been done, but uh, I can uh, I can actually, you know, just raw edit this. You know, just whatever. <laughs> and it adds it to the character. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you could just totally, you know. Just so is that block on the modify. left, the column on the left, is that what depth level of the That's right. blocks are in? That's right. Yeah, and then if I'm working on his body, his arm, his leg, uh, his sword, or whatever. Um so this is kind of uh, one of the one of those tools I was working on for for a PC game, but uh, you know it could be easily adapted to take uh, you know to do frames and stuff for for a, a two dimensional game. And this is the character that I actually use on Discord. <laughs> that oh, that's I created. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but it's pretty neat uh, just drawing with little blocks. Uh, like I said, I'm not a I'm not a 3D artist, but you know, once you start drawing at like pixel level, you know, it actually doesn't look too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's ta it's taking the concept of the pixel art, you know, building block artwork, but just now three dimensionalizing it. And it's still interesting to see what you can do in that yeah. regard. Uh, yeah, for sure. That is cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. So that was one of the PC things. Um, I do have, you know, I got to keep that, uh, that, that stuff's fine. I'll, I'll try to keep it cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about my uh, RS-DOS tool. That's. Yeah. So the story behind it. <laughs> All I wanted to do, like, 
you know, it was such a simple, simple thing. All I wanted to do was to be able to take my basic program that I wrote in Notepad and get it on a dang floppy image and get it on my computer. And I just didn't find, you know, tools very, the tools that are available very useful. Uh, like the, the one I was using was, uh, I think it was called Image, uh, maybe image, image Tool or something. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was off of one of the emulators. Uh, but it has like some sort of, I think it has like, either Chinese or Japanese uh, text, so you don't really know what you're doing with that file. That's the main one. You're changing the yeah, setting. That's the main okay, one. so I have the main one then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it didn't always work. Like, I would try those settings out, and and uh, the file would somehow come out wrong. And so then I started looking into other options because I didn't want to exactly reinvent the wheel, but I didn't have to. Um, so there was some other stuff out there, like the, the rainbow IDE, the, the Phoenix IDE. Um, I did try to use that, but, uh, you know, I had, it still didn't have the full flexibility that I wanted for, uh, copying files onto a disc image and removing them, taking them back and forth. Um, so that's where, where this, this tool started getting developed. Um, so yeah, so I just cracked my manual open there on the, the, uh, disc, uh, extended basic book or whatever, and started looking at how can I, uh, how is this format? How is this, how is this information saved? And it turns out that the disc image format on, on windows, it's actually just saved in a, in a sector by sector format. So they're literally all in order. So. Uh, you'd load that into an array. You got the the disk image loaded, um, and then you just I just had to uh, separate it into which one, what track belonged to what, uh, you know, granules and all that stuff, and and uh, bang, I, I got a uh, disk image uh, working. <laughs> so so that's great. Um, so the way it's set up. I can uh, I can load text files in, so I like using AutoCAD as as an example. That's that's a program I kind of grew up with when I was younger. Um, a lot of people might not know this, but uh, you can do animations with uh, CocoCAD, and it's because it remembers uh, everything you do. So if I draw like a, a character and I erase them and I move them a little bit more forward. Uh, and draw them again, it, it would be like I was displaying an animation. Uh, so I actually played around with Coco Cat a lot when I was a kid, uh, doing animations of just little doodles of guys running around, and and uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I have uh, I have the text version of Coco Cat here. Okay, so to load this onto my my disk image. Uh, all I have to do is say add text here. Uh, that that's on my desktop. Oops, there we go. Oh, what are you doing, computer? Okay, so grab that, open. It's a basic program, yes, and uh, it's loaded in. Um, so the only thing about this file, uh, I'm going to load the original 
draw, disk image that it was on, um, you'll see that the original is smaller. It's uh, 11,659 bytes. This one's 14. Uh, 323. Hasn't been so tokenized what, yet, right? That's right. So it hasn't been tokenized yet. So all you got to do is click on it and hit Bass Token. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and it's done. Now it's down to the, basically the same size, 1169. Look at that. It's the exact same size. That's kind of how I did my testing to make sure it was working <laughs> with, <laughs> uh, with various, various files. Okay. Uh, you can also use the program editor that's built into this. Um, so, I mean, you can make some quick, uh, quick changes to this, uh, save it, uh, and it will save it tokenized. Wow. Yeah. So it should be the same file size there. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. So now if you wanted to take the same file and bring it over to PC without making it human readable, I could just click on it and say save bin, save binary. Um, so I can save, uh, we'll call it Coco C2. Okay, so if I tried to read that file, which is on my desktop here somewhere. And the left hand side, right above the folder, I think. Oh, gosh. Here, let me uh, pull that back up. Maybe I didn't save it. No, it's right above that yellow folder that says Treasure Island, I think, on your left. Coco Cad, was that it? Two more That's down. That's not the one because I called it. Uh, right there. I got it? disk. Oh, okay. Don't. So I probably saved it in the wrong spot. Let me do that again. So, bin. so I got this. Save bin. So desktop. I probably Yeah, I didn't save it. Okay. So we'll call it CC2, whatever. Uh, save. And now we got a file here that if I double click it, it's, it's uh, not readable. It's tokenized yeah. garbage. <laughs> exactly. And that's a lot of the issues I was having with, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to edit on Windows and bring this stuff over. Um, so same idea. I mean, I can bring that in. I can say add bin desktop and CC2 and open. Um, does this need to be converted to binary? No. And there you have it. It's the equivalent uh, Same file. Same size, that 11, one. 1169. Yeah. 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 So, so that works uh, with with uh, binary files files you don't want changed. Okay. And it also works with text files. You know, bringing it in, adding line numbers to assembly. Um, so if I load my little uh, example here. Um, so, so I have my. You, let me ask you this: Are you familiar with the Toolshed project, which is a better version of that Mame disk image utility? The, I'm not. The, the Toolshed no. <laughs> project is command line stuff. So, like most of the modern okay. development stuff is using that. But the thing that I've found, in, and a similar thing to what you're saying, like trying to use some of those other IDEs and some of these other tools, is that a lot of a lot of these things when you run at the tool shed, and maybe it's because I don't know how to use it that well. You're you're you have to inject files into this virtual floppy through a through a basically through a batch file, and typically it will automatically inject either your your basic source code or your assembly source code and and make that a bin file. But what I found hard to do with that because some of the projects I worked on, I needed to have supplementary files like bin files that were artwork that I was using to get and put. So I found my limited knowledge of using some of those tools made it difficult to get 
not more than just the program on a disk. It seems like there's a lot of over-the-counter solutions that will put a single program on the disk for you, and the source code becomes the basic file or the bin file. But I could not figure out how to get those to include other elements on that disk during the disk generation process. And part of that is probably just my not knowing the command lines that well. But what you're showing us here is almost like a Windows Explorer, like a file explorer mode where you've got two columns here and you can kind of move elements back and forth from your real computer to your virtual disks and back and forth. And, and that is very helpful, uh, especially if somebody's not in, it's not used to doing command lines to do everything anyways. You know, the old GUI yeah. way is, is you can't go wrong, yeah. you know. And plus, in your case, you're, you're allowing tokenization, detokenization, et cetera, at the same time. So you're actually doing this on the fly, where in the other case, you have to add this command yeah. line options and you have to remember what the syntax for that is and yeah so that's actually uh thanks to nick marentas uh he, his idea was to have two if you're going to make another uh disk imaging tool yeah make it so you can see two at once and i was like hey that's that's genius <laughs> well that's nick marentas so, in a word right there genius, yeah. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> he, he tells me that all the time <laughs> So that, that, that's not uh, the word you used last time on me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly why that's in there. <laughs> so, so yeah. Now with an assembly program, same thing. You can uh, you can uh, take your assembly file. Uh, we can save. I'm going to save that on the desktop. Um, I'm going to call it. I'll just call it test. Save. Remove line numbers. So this is a great uh, way to make it so you can edit it in Notepad or whatever. Um, so I'm going to say yes. And we pull up the test. And I have my assembly source completely uh, human readable. And I can edit it. Okay. Um, make changes to it. And then when I pull it back in, so if I add text... That's my test file. Basic program file, no. I, I have it asked this question because it has to set some, some simple parameters for, for uh, RS-DOS so it knows whether it's a basic file. Yeah, like the file type numbers. Exactly. So, so I just thought it would be easy to put a quick prompt together. Uh, so basic program, no. ASM program, yes. Add line numbers, yes. And so... This file, uh, I can bring it into my program editor again. And my program editor will actually remove the line numbers uh, because it's an assembly program because uh, you, don't, <laughs> you don't want those. <laughs> okay. Right? That looks really cool. Yeah. And so then, your disk tool has an, a text editor built into it. That's right. And it's not only that. I've actually started adapting it into a into an IDE, an actual editing environment. Um, so I basically, yeah, so I've showcased basic. You see how um, assembly can be used on this. Um, but new projects, uh, if, you're, if you're writing something new, um, actually before I get into that, uh, let me talk about uh, uh, LWASM. Um, I've taken that that uh, that plugin that uh, uh, William Assel has done, and uh, I got I asked him for permission. I know I realize it's like 
free for everyone to use, but you know, I, I feel I, I should still ask, you know, to to be able to include a, a shortcut button right into the uh, into the editor. Uh, so all I have to actually do is click my assembly code and hit assemble. Uh, LW ASM. Uh, so you get a few options. You can do the 6309 output. Um, you can output it to, to Windows instead of, uh, of, uh, of the disk image. Uh, you can also output it without the header. And that's where the, the CCC comes in. That's for cartridge um, format, basically? Or? That's right. Yeah, so, so I can just hit assemble. And uh, through the magic of, uh, of that, uh, that uh, plug-in, <laughs> it assembles it. And uh, it is light years way faster than using uh, EdTasm on, uh, on the color computer. <laughs> so there you have it. It's assembled, and I can, I can run this uh, on an emulator or take it to a Cocoa <laughs> and, and run it. Now, can you take it one step further where it would launch the emulator with the thing? Once you assemble it and you just inject that into MAME or VCC or XOR? Yes, that, that is a possibility, yes. Because then that, that becomes the full, the full, full game of there. You got you the full point, development yeah. kit. You got your editor, your assembler, and then boom, you pop it up and you test it in your emulator. That's right. Yeah, no, that's neat, though. That's a really neat tool. Uh, I noticed too, like you have the little progress bars down there, basically showing you how much of your disk is utilized, right? Those those little blue bars, right. this kind of um, a little graph, like capacity graph or something. I noticed that's on the right. top tab too, you also have like a raw disk editor, so you can actually edit it. Like if you're doing stuff that's not in the file system, you can actually do hidden. That's right. Or... I mean, uh, if we look at uh, let's look at this disk image for for example, uh, we know that the directory is at uh, track seventeen. Uh, sector two has all the allocation table for all the sector or granules. Uh, so the granules that are free uh, come up as FF. Um, so if we go to the next sector, now you've got the file system on that on that uh, uh, image. Uh, so if you look at so a little bit of, on the info window here, uh, it says the first character that I'm selecting is G. Uh, so if I, uh, you know, I press right on this, A, M, E, and then mm. it has a Space. ASM. Uh. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I can actually Those are the file know, names. edit. Yeah. I can edit this right here. Um, I can put hello. And so if we click over to back to the to this side, now it says hello. In right. lowercase. <laughs> right. You just rename the file in the directory. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, you can make raw changes to it. So so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> For advanced make, make, users make only. Make some backups. <laughs> um, yeah, and if you've accidentally deleted a file, I mean, you could technically probably go back and restore it if you knew a little bit about it. You know, you could kind of retrace where where the parts of it is and <laughs> re-enable it so the directory uh, RS-DOS will find it again. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I don't so, remember how I did it, but back in the day as a kid, I used to write a program that would hide my directory. So when you typed in dir, you saw like a fake directory, but the real files were somewhere else. And then my program would know how to find them. So it was like poor man's yeah. directory concealment, you know? So Yeah. <laughs> so the very, let's just call this the final part of the, the my uh, interview here. I'll, I'll go over the plugin stuff, the IDE that... Uh, that I was working on, and I'll try to be quick about it. Uh, I'm sure Don't I'll start now. Spend, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm probably <laughs> probably going to start putting some viewers to sleep here. No, no, this is good stuff. Man. The, the, the audience continues to grow as, as this goes on. So Okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'll try to make it kind of snappy here, but I'll just kind of showcase what I've been working on and, and uh, why I've been doing it. And obviously it's for speed. I'm trying to make development on the color computer faster um so let's uh let's just start a new program here um so we'll just call it uh sure we'll just call it that so what i've designed so i have this nice little converter here um in fact i'm gonna switch the share so it's just the screen so okay so it makes that screen bigger better yeah yeah okay so what I've done here, so there's this nice little converter here. Um, I don't know if you got a binary number, you're trying to, you know, convert to something. <laughs> you know, you can slap it in there, but you don't have to just put binary in. You can put a decimal number in. It spits out the binary. It spits out the hex. And this the stuff's, yeah, this stuff's really useful for, you know, quick information when you're programming an assembly. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's uh, it's pretty good. Like for um, example, the decimal value for the starting of the screen is ten twenty four, and then if you type in that for your decimal, that should show you the assembly version, right? Which should be four hundred right. hex four hundred. Yeah. And yeah, so the binary byte is only displaying a single byte. Right. So up to uh, eight. So bits. when I when I go six five five three five, I mean, it's just showing out of range. Right. And then it's just showing <laughs> all the the f's. <laughs> Right. So this is very useful when you're trying to do, you know, text conversion. Uh, you're trying to say, okay, I wanted the letter A in assembly. Okay, 41 hex. <laughs> you know, it's it's quick and, you know, it uh, makes it quick to to uh, to program. Um, you, could change, you could change the binary byte, so it changed the binary word or double word. You could in the larger number, so it'd still be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so something cool, something different. Um, I've designed these things called uh, assembly libraries, and it's kind of like uh, you know bringing a library into you know a, a higher uh, programming language like C plus plus or something. I haven't used used it, but you know you have to call a library in to be able to use functions from it, and so. I thought it would be cool if uh, if I could design these uh, libraries that call up uh, commands that I can easily remember. And what sticks to a programmer's mind really easy is basic. I mean, I grew up with with basic, so if I can type CLS and in assembly somehow, then you know that's uh, light years faster. Um, so I've got uh, a list of uh, of a few prototype libraries that I'm that I'm working on here. So the main one, main library 
when, when I type help and I, I click on that, it loads up everything that's in that library. So I have a, a command called inky string. I've got uh, make sign cosine table. I did even a persuado like 3D uh, cosine table, which actually worked pretty good. Uh, I showed a demo of it on Facebook there where it actually looks like the, the object has 3D perspective. Um, got an RND generator, uh, set display mode, uh, STR string, which is very handy, especially when it comes to debugging and assembly, uh, synchronizing the screen. Um, I'm kind of working on this still because it, uh, I wanted to do library specific stuff that targets different graphics resolutions. Uh, so this one's kind of probably going to get changed by qu quite a bit. Um, again, uh, a lot of that's getting changed. So I did a, a tan angle, um, kind of a data, kind of a <laughs> um, uh, pre-calculated points, so it's easier to calculate. And it's the same with the cosine table. It's all pre-calculated numbers for faster calculation. Uh, so you can whip out a circle or whatever a lot faster. Um, yeah, and then I had some simple stuff with joystick in that library. Uh, so I'm going to load one more library, uh, pmode one. <clears throat> so it's going to add to this tree. Uh, so now I've got circle, circle fill. That one's bad. I need to do some work on that. <laughs> but uh, it's got CLS. It's got... Uh, Coco 3, it just reports back if it's a Color Computer 3, it's running on or not. Uh, I thought that would be useful. Uh, get is just like in basic, get and put. Uh, you get your graphics, you put your graphics. Uh, inky string, again, that was off the other library. Line 1, uh, it would be similar to just drawing a line in, in, uh, in basic. Uh, notice when I click on this, it, it actually tells me how to use that command. Uh, so it tells me I need to say what screen. So I've, I've set up double buffering or triple buffering or whatever you want to call it. It's actually set up properly this time. So when you're actually using the drawing commands, the printing commands, you say what screen you're working on. And then at the end of your loop, you tell it to sync that display. Uh, and then it'll show it'll change just the memory mapping only. And so it's actually set up properly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so X1, Y1, X2, Y2, color, and that's it. So let's try one of these out for fun. <laughs> let's see how fast uh, this assembly program can be with, with this added library. Uh, so the only thing I got to tell it is include main.txt, and I'm going to also say include pmode1.txt. So I'm going to originate my program at, uh, we'll say 4,000 to be safe because uh, you don't have to go that high, but depending on how many graphics pages you're deciding to use, 4,000 keeps it safe to use four pages. Um, so for at least pmode1 anyways. <laughs> so um, there's basically a start to your program. I always keep my data structure like this. There's a start to the program and somewhere there's an end to the start. Um, and I put all my code in between. 
Um, my, my IDE kind of requires it uh, for the library so it knows where, uh, where things are and where, you know, so because it actually does a, a, a bit of programming for you. Um, so first thing I want to do, I'm going to go CLS, uh, let's clear the screen. I'm going to draw a line on screen zero. And we'll say from, oh, go ahead. I was just going to point out that you, you the reason why this command is called CLS1 is because this is your tool set for P mode one. So the one That's is telling right. us what P mode that we're in, right? That's so, right. And yeah. I don't want all these libraries to, to conflict with each other. So I'm kind of just, okay, I'll call this CLS1. So every command with this library has got a one with it. Right. And, and that's why, that's why, yeah, I kind of, I'm trying to standardize it so it's it's a little easier to and, remember. And I guess the reason you're doing this as opposed to making a generic one where it figures out the screen mode and stuff is because you can optimize these to be faster for specific color depths or screen resolutions or whatever. That's right. And, you know, the the code is completely open in these libraries. You can actually see what I've written and change it. And you can even make your own libraries. <laughs> so you can, uh, like you were pointing out to me earlier, that you can actually make an optimized uh, 6309 version of, of uh, drawing something, you know, where it'll do it a lot faster uh, and use uh, its uh, commands. Uh, so, yeah, so this screen resolution uh, tells me down here it's uh, 0 to 1, or sorry, uh, it's 128 to 64. So... Um, keeping in mind that zero is a number, we got to go 127 to 63. So I'm going to go 127 to 63. I'm going to use uh, color zero, uh, and we'll close that off. Um, and that's, uh, that'll be a line. Uh, I can draw, we'll do one more line. Um, we'll go from, I don't know, we'll, we'll show that it works backwards. So I'll go 64, 64 to uh, 20 and 5 up, and we'll make that color 1 or something. Um, so we've got two lines there. Uh, if it works right, the, when, they, when they intersect, uh, it shouldn't get all jumbled because uh, each byte carries four pixels. Um, so to wrap this little program up now, uh, we can we have to... Uh, tell the computer which uh, display we're running. Um, and this is where you do the, the double buffering or whatever. So I'm going to say sync 1, and the screen is going to be 0 because I, I just finished drawing all my commands on, uh, all my drawing commands and everything were done on, on screen 0. Right, so that first uh, number in your string yeah. of numbers is telling you what screen. So CLS That's right. CLS 1 that so, first 0 says screen 0, line 1 that first 0 says yeah. screen 0. So okay. what's awesome is that you can draw to the other screens and and you won't see it if you don't set it. Right. It's this sync command here that that I wrote that now you see what what you're asking for. Uh so in this one's case, uh there's three uh, possible settings for the color set. Uh, 160 is the uh, green screen. Um, That's the, the decimal uh, number, not the hex number, right? So <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Um, 168 is uh, the white. Magenta, yes, cyan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And then the last mode, the 248, is a uh, artifact color mode. And I actually found that that wasn't even working properly on the emulator, but it works fine on the on the color computer. <laughs> so, uh, so I can just put uh, we'll go 160, uh, and then we're just gonna create a little loop here, inky string, and beq to ink, and then RTS will return to basic. And this is our little little program. I want to just show one more thing before I compile this. You don't have to just, it's not relying just on, you know, me putting data in. I can use variables. Um, so oh. I'm going to say X1 FCB 45, actually 64 we'll say. So in order for me to pull that variable, all I have to do is put it in the boxy brackets and it'll it'll actually pull it from that instead. Oh wow. Okay. Um same with screen or whatever. Um you can use uh you can use it like that. One last thing I want to put in, let's let's print something. So print one. Um let's look at that command for a second. Um which, by the way, the, okay, ability, so, the ability to print on a graphic screen does not natively exist. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, that's a good good point. That's that's what this thing's all about is making things fast. <laughs> um, You're doing excellent, Sheldon. You're impressing Stevie. <laughs> I piqued his interest. <laughs> I might get one download today. <laughs> um, so yeah, so down here, so we is again screen. I'm gonna pick zero. Uh -huh. um, transparency. So I'm gonna set that to zero. So it's just gonna draw black uh, where there's no text. Mm. Um, so we'll go. Let's say ten and ten down. Um, start. We'll zero the length of the text. I don't know yet. We'll just say twelve. Um, it's set up so you can actually scroll text, and that's why I have it set up like this. All you got to do is change a variable, and it it'll print something else to the, it'll print somewhere further along in that string. So it kind of uh, has a built-in mid-string. Yeah, kind of panning yeah, through at the same yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, so you can actually scroll through it, which yeah, is pretty neat. That is cool. Um, so you got two options here. I can literally print text. Uh, it needs to be in caps mode for this mode because I didn't do a lowercase font. Uh, I used a four by four pixel set for this font, so it's very, it's very tricky to make every letter look right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So hello world. So this is one way that that it could be done, or I can actually. Uh, go boxy brackets and say hello string and put it in and, and I can write down here hello string FCN it has to be a, a, a zero terminated string and then I could put hello world okay so that's two ways that you can write the text on there so if you want to do it uh, with an FCN statement, or if you want to write it directly into the command. Um, 
So, so if I you said, do it as an FCN and then you say your program wants to modify that text but still use the same print routine, you could go do a couple stores over top of pieces of that. And then when the next time you run print one, that new modified version will show up. That's right. And another useful, this is very useful for debugging. I should actually show this in the same program just just because I'm here. <laughs> um, STR string. Uh, let's say this has like been a little bit of a hurdle at the start. Uh, it was trying to display bytes in, in human readable form. Um, so uh, this is one of the first commands that I actually wrote. Um, so if we look at str string, it says that you put a word in and uh, you need a return string. So if I put word uh, fcb, or sorry, fc, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, we'll just put two zeros in there. Uh, and then I'll put word string fcn, and this is going to be my, uh, it does five characters, and it has to be a uh, an fcn. So when I'm using ST, str string, um, let's actually, I don't want to, I don't actually want to take word. I want to take that 64 number. Let me just write another bogus number here. Um, so when I, when I take my word, I'm going to put in boxy brackets x0. Uh, so what's going to happen is it, it's going to combine these two bytes and it's going to be uh, the number 64. Um, and now I want that in human readable. Uh, like I said, it's in, it's in uh, non-human readable and it's going to be converted. So now I just need to put in boxy brackets word string. And then um, down here, I'm going to say print one. Let's print this one at, I don't know, 10 and 30 down. Um, zero. Actually, this one's about five or six characters. I'll put six to be safe. And in boxy brackets, I want to print word string. Okay, so... Let me just make sure I got all that right. Just so you know, boxy bracket is kind of redundant because the bracket itself is already boxy. But I love that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I love saying boxy brackets. Boxy brackets, <laughs> as opposed to those curvy brackets that some people yeah. use. You like the or boxy squiggly bracket. ones, like I call parentheses. <laughs> yeah. So you can see, I mean, this no this number is just populated with zeros. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna save this. Um, I'm gonna assemble it. And like I said, the assembly process should happen pretty fast. And then I'm going to save the disk. I'm going to go save as, uh, we'll just save it as test.disk. Okay, so I'm going to close that down. And now we're going to go to the emulator. Let's see, I'll pull it up. Don't worry, we're almost done. Yeah, this is cool. <laughs> this is cool. I believe today's word that everyone should use whenever possible today would be boxy brackets. Your challenge is to use that in a <laughs> sentence uh, to as many unbeknownst with, with your family members. Strangers, that's, that's yes, a challenge. with strangers, yes.
<laughs> boxy brackets is like the new air quote, you know? <laughs> All right. So. Yeah. Okay. So let's load that disk image in. So that was my test. Oops. <laughs> my, uh, uh, it's all lowercase. My lowercase lettering, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, new but, PRG. So like I said, this is a assembly hello program. World. Okay, and there's your 64. 64. That was the, uh, is your debugging thing, right? So. Yes. Hello, it's very world. Nice for, it's very nice for finding out where your index went if it's not where it's supposed to be. <laughs> you can see what the heck's going on. And, and uh, yeah, this is, this is great. It's so what we saw you <laughs> type in your uh, source code was like a half a dozen lines. Not a yeah. lot, right? You did a CLS, you did a couple line commands, you did a couple print commands. And so the, the actual source code that you typed was pretty compact. Pretty dang be, short. Pretty yes. dang short. And it's almost, you know, human readable and comprehensible, yeah. like, traditional basic basic or like an, as i now call it as boxy bracket basic but um <laughs> but obviously behind the scenes now is your library where there's lots of other more assembly stuff going on so um but your your ide you're working on uh kind of lets you write things you're still writing in assembly but you've kind of created a whole pseudo language within assembly that makes things um uh, it calls library routine so basically you're yeah. making Almost a basic like language, kind of like you made basic and basic as macros. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of like your basic and basic. This is like basic and assembly now. So it's yes. <laughs> I've gone the right direction. Yeah, yeah, well, the, yeah. the really nice thing though, this is a really nice transition piece. So yeah. people just want to learn assembly, but of course they're familiar yeah. with basic, like running line commands, etc. Yeah. Is that you can use this to quickly write something. It's running at assembly language speeds. And then you can gradually add in some you know custom assembly language not covered by some of the commands you put in your your language there right like there know, there is no print command in assembly exactly right? even, even on a text screen there's no print command right because yeah. what, what george is showing us is we gotta you know we gotta blast bytes onto a screen in memory somewhere so we gotta load and store and all kinds of stuff just to put text up on that 32 column screen so there is no quote-unquote print command in assembly language um yeah, right so so this our, this is almost like a compiled basic sort of it's you're taking basic like commands and, and generating straight to assembly, but you're allowed to inline assembly of your own code at the same time. Yeah. So this uh, what I'm sharing now is the inside of one of those function files. Uh, so this is the pmode one library that I'm working on, and you can see it's all in assembly. Um, there's just some things for my IDE that uh, it needs to know in order to do some of the programming for you. And so what it does is it takes your parameters and dumps them into the right uh, locations. And at the same time, it renames everything. Uh, I did this so you can type new functions that use the same labels. doesn't matter. So I don't have to try to remember, oh, did I use uh, clear <laughs> as a label somewhere? No, I only have to worry about it in that actual function because uh, my IDE renames it all. So it's kind of like local variables within each function. Then you almost. bet. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. So there's very, it's a very simple setup. Uh, well, I mean, I'm just. That's relative you know. terms are very simple because you got to, you had, you had to know the science behind this to create the sorcery, you know? So. Yeah. It's uh, simple for the programmer though. That's the nice thing. Yeah. So that's cool for like uh, someone that's just learning assembly. They can they can actually look in uh, into the library and say, okay, let's unwrap this a little bit. How does right line right? Because you wrote a line routine, but now yeah, what, exactly. what are the steps? What are the steps to what, what's the sorcery behind that? How yeah. is that working? Yeah, and you can actually just scroll down and and uh, find it. Find it. Right, and this is where um, you mentioned you had Simon help you kind of optimize some of these routines and stuff too, right? So that's right. Yeah, yeah. And this is where we talked about that you could make a six or a nine version of this entire library if you wanted to make you know a yes. faster version for people to have that processor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is super cool, Sheldon. And this is yeah. and this is <laughs> this is all built into your disk tool, which I think. Um, I think uh, Mark Overholz had already posted a link. So uh, it's uh, smotion3d.net slash downloads slash rsdoswin.zip. Let's Does see. Right about a, that? Let me uh, do some more screen sharing there. Yeah. That's the link I had. I downloaded his tool. And you are, I'm imagining you're going to continue to update this over time. So they'll. Yeah. Can... So it, you can just go to www.smotion3d.net. Mm -hmm. slash downloads yeah uh, i used to have a website but i found it boring and and takes too much time to keep updating and i, I just ended up you know flipping it into an ftp site okay <laughs> it's really just files now i just throw files on it you know okay and uh rs dos uh, win dot zip is the the tool that you're looking for um and uh and you'll also need uh, some prerequisites for Windows. Uh, it needs to, the runtime for the DirectX 9 libraries. Uh, for Windows 10 users, there's a legacy version that you can have installed. But by default, it's supposed to be installed. So there's the odd setup that doesn't have it. So you, know, you can always just look it up, and it's just legacy DX. <laughs> OK. Yeah. But, uh, I also posted links to your YouTube site, which has a couple of videos on RS-DOS Win and, and your assembly language stuff. Yeah, and okay. so how long have you been doing assembly right now? This hasn't been that long, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I've only been doing it for, oh gosh, I'm going to say two years now. Okay. And, and in yeah. that and in it's, that time, you've written a game, you've, you've, you've unraveled how to program all these sound chips that are out there and you're yeah. creating a development environment with pseudo yeah. basic. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> that is yes, that is <laughs> super duper impressive. I'm, I'm still trying to understand how to load X and load a and store a right now. So, um, you're way ahead of most of us and that's awesome. <laughs> right on. I mean, that's basically all I have to share today. I mean, I've uh, stretched this show. Yeah, quite well, a bit, I, think. <laughs> I guess, I, I guess that'll have to do. <laughs> that is freaking awesome dude you're an animal you're an absolute machine uh that is cool stuff man hardware software development tools uh is there anything you don't do do you do you make like flavored shaved ice or balloon animals or face painting anything like that no oh, okay all right well listen there's there's still room for improvement then so okay <laughs> check out this uh can you juggle cool, can you juggle and hula hoop at the same time 
Check out this cool shirt my kids got me uh, for Father's stand Day. Stand up. Uh, super daddy Oh, that is super cool. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Awesome. And that's cool. Thank you so much, Sheldon. Oh, this was yeah, fun. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for coming on the show. And, 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 that that and, uh, compiler especially is impressive to me. Yeah, and that ties yeah. into stuff that George uh, Jay has been showing us with his assembly stuff. He's in, he's coming up with some some includes to simplify some of the commands. Um, to, to do a similar thing to kind of create a pseudo language to call up a routine or a function that's a little bit more human uh, readable and comprehensible and stuff. Uh, and I'm sure that's something that Simon Jonasson's probably familiar with. If I had to dabble or guess, I'd say Simon knows a thing or two about assembling. <laughs> human. 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 The human what? is overrated. The human is overrated. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of show in store for you, boys and girls. And, and remember, today's today's uh, code word is hashtag boxy brackets. So, uh, matter of fact, if you yeah. use offer code boxy brackets on Sheldon's download site, you'll get twenty five percent off the uh, the download to his development tool. So. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we got it. Does Does anybody need a potty break before we go into game on results? Do we need to take another commercial break? Anyone? Well, Nick Marota is the one who's got to run it. Nick, are you good, or do you need a potty break before we get no, into game I'm okay. on results? You okay? I'm okay. All right. Well, if anybody else needs a potty break, feel free. You don't need a hall pass or anything. You can you can do it if you have to. Uh, thank you, and Sheldon. Feel free to hang out as long as you can. Uh, and later on, when we get into the George's segment, when he starts talking about assembling and stuff too, if you guys need to start asking questions or cross-pollinating and stuff that would be cool so we're getting into nick marota's favorite part of the show which is the game on uh results uh, from the game on challenge and all that good stuff and if i'm not mistaken i believe we also have a potential new coco thoughts from the deep thinker himself mr samuel gimes so let's start off by seeing what samuel has been thinking about we'll come back for the reactions to that and then we'll see the results of this week's game so get ready for coco thoughts in three Two. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Go X Attacks! <laughs> Go X Attacks! Go X Attacks! <laughs> A shoot, shoot, bang, bang, dodge, dodge, shoot, 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 dodge, shoot, bang, do, da, da, um, um, Samuel Gimes has done it again. <laughs> uh, what James, that is, we're not sure. Yes, James Jones says he has outdone himself. Daddy Burrito says that's classic. Woo. Okay, deep breath, everyone. Inhale, exhale. Let it in, let it out. Okay, we're going to move on. Let's check out the results of this week's game. As Samuel Gimes said, Galax Attack. Let's go. All right, and welcome to another week of results. This week we played Galax Attacks with 18 scores submitted. Bob and Coco, 4,250. 
C. Duris, 7,850. Rich N, 9,400. Damon Beals, 10,100. Boat of Carr, 10,150. Gary M, 10,400. Coco Discord user, 11,450. Pedro Pena, 12,350. Canadian Retro Things, 12,600. Mr. Dave, 17,650. Jim Rye, 21,900. Nice. Tom C, 22,100. Me, 22,700. Just Mike, 24,300. Buck Owens, 30,000. Oh, Buck Owens, not the top scorer this week. David Craker, 35,300. L. Curtis Boyle, 49,800. And the number one score this week belongs to Tasman. Tasman. 50,950. Great score. Way to go, and thank you to all of this week's participants. All right, Tasman. Tasman is just taking, taking home the gold for Mother Russia uh, quite often now. Good job there. Uh, Curtis, is that, is that the highest you've placed in forever in one of these things? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> thanks, thanks for rubbing it in and putting no, that out Curtis is, uh, Curtis has been <laughs> coming in pretty high with his five minutes before supper crap for a while now. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say my, my score was based on one single game I played, so yes. Not to brag or anything. All right. So uh, thanks to Buck Owens for finding this, the score from back in the day, uh, 253,900. No. Definitely doable. I don't think that's a fake one. I don't, uh, sounds legit, yeah. And uh, also the review from Rainbow. They thought this was a state-of-the-art arcade action game at its best. So they, they really liked it. Okay. Yeah, and this is an earlier one. I mean, this came out right around summer of 82 so i mean rainbow had just switched to color covers at that point basically you know type thing so this is an earlier on game and once again canadian retro things supplied us with uh gameplay footage he did uh he, he did this on his channel now this doesn't have the same artwork does this this is the original artwork from the original version of the game that they released in mid 82 and then somebody patched it to have the more close to the arcade one now, Bode, I remember when you were playing it on your stream there, I think you said you preferred the old style shapes, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, I, I like seeing the more original sprites than just kind of the insectoid, you know, rip off Galaxian sprites. So that was just me. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't look bad. It just it was noticeably uh, different than the other. You know, yeah, sprites. the game's exactly the same. Somebody just went in and modified the graphics tables, and that's all they did. So. Okay. So when you say somebody was an unofficial, was that an unofficial? That I'm not hack? sure. I've heard different stories. No, I didn't buy the original later on when it was changed because I've had the, that modified graphics version since the 80s, like mid-80s at the latest. So I don't so know if somebody, that was an official one or not. Somebody went in and did this pretty early on. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it was Spectre themselves or if it was uh, you know some third-party guy just decided to, to tweak it a bit because I don't know where that extra copy came from, but I've had it on discs for decades and decades. So I was kind of surprised nobody had had it on the archive already, to be honest. Well, the blue guys kind of look like TIE Fighters, so that's still kind of cool. Can't go wrong with a TIE Fighter-inspired um, yeah. spaceship. And for, for those people that have played the arcade Galaxian, I will mention, as, as most people might have noticed, it's quite a bit faster than the arcade. Yeah, they're like yeah. already on him. They're down there at the bottom. That's one problem when you have larger uh, ships on a small screen. They, they make their way down there really fast, where the arcade machines where the screen was taller... 
um, it took them a little bit longer to get down. So yeah. plus your ship moves way faster in here than it does in the arcade too. So you can get out of the way faster too. So. Yeah, no, but the pace on this thing. I think, is, yeah, I think it's moving in uh, byte blocks rather than pixel blocks. Mm. Aliens aren't though. Uh, yeah, sideways movement looks a bit choppy. On the aliens? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, when they're coming down. Oh, when they're coming down, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah so but the, when they're the, formation, it's moving like a pixel or two. No, no, they're up all right up there, but it's, yeah, coming down, they're the, going. The dive bombing blocks, might yeah. be a little bit, yeah, okay. Good game, though. Good. Uh, yeah, nice, fast pace, good sound effects, for, especially for the time. Uh, good graphics. It was one of the earlier artifacting games. Um. My, my strategy on it is kind of to do a herky-jerky motion where I'll just tap the joystick with a centering joystick or I actually used to do it in the Black Beauty by hand, but you just move a little bit left and then the dive-bombing ships would kind of hone in on where you were. So if you keep just jerking over, they'll go to the previous position. So you kind of like kind of the, sea dra- the Sea Dragon thing where they're going to shoot to where you were yeah, and wait for them the to end. fire and then get out of the way. huh? Oh, here's the updated one. Here's the updated, updated one now with the uh, more buggy like sprites now it's looking a little bit more like a hybrid of galaga and galaxian with the the bugs and the f- now in the arcade i don't think they flap their wings the top no nope. top no, tier ships. Just steady. Yeah. yeah so that's kind of a cool look the two frame animation of the flapping wings of the uh squadron leaders or whatever your uh your ship dude looks a lot like the guy in galaxian which was kind of a take on the enterprise a little bit right yeah um yeah, the one one difference on from the arcade, and I, I'd forgotten about this because so many versions of Galaxy and the Coco, I kind of missed miss, missed in my head which was which. But the flags, I think they actually go up to what is it, twelve flags, and then just twelve starts. Said, yeah, yeah, they just starts back at the beginning, which I I did hit in my score. Hmm. I thought for some reason this is one of the ones that actually made that bigger flag that has a ten. Okay, in it for like the five and ten mark and whatnot. But like, it does not. It, okay. it just starts over again and just wraps every twelve screens. So, okay, some other Coco versions do do the big flag version, but I right. So, so I understand ten flags would be like a decimal system. What is a twelve base twelve? I think system? it's just what he could fit up until the men start. <laughs> honestly, it was just like what he could fit yeah. before the free men. Right. Okay. That's a good looking game. It plays well. Got a great pace to it. Got yep. the star yeah. field. Rapid fire was a really cool feature. Yeah. Because uh, if you had to hammer on it like the arcade game, you'd be pretty sore, especially getting like ten, fifteen screens in. Um, I do. I do notice that when I'm getting to the point where I've only got a couple aliens left, if you leave it on rapid fire, it's really hard to time it to hit them because they're dive bombing constantly. They don't really stay in formation that long. Okay. So I would actually not auto fire when I've only got one or two aliens left. I would actually wait and right, position they, myself they, under yeah, them and just shoot them. They may otherwise, shift. it took like yeah, they may like dodge between the shots. Yeah, because otherwise you sit there going through like about five or six cycles trying to hit one alien, and that way you could speed it up and get on the next screen. Uh, I've just been told that that's the Dewey Decimal System when you do the. Uh, the base 12. Okay. Du- uh, duo decimal. Duo decimal system. <laughs> okay. Explosions. Any other tips or tricks from other people? or? Uh, I would say shoot the bad guys and avoid getting collided with or avoid having a laser fall down on you. Well, it's, good to, it's good to know that you're <laughs> learning about how to play arcade games, Stevie. That's, that's awesome. It's only taken you a few years. But, uh... <laughs> so what you're saying Follow is, is don't die. Don't die, yes. <laughs> Follow Stevie for more tips. <laughs> Really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> How many ways to play level one? Uh-huh. 
Oh, David Ladd chiming in with the slick burn there. Ooh, burn. You got me, David. Ooh, burn. <laughs> so this is actually a variant I did not play back in the day, but I found it when I was looking through uh, Galaxian clones, and I, I thought it was pretty good. So, Mr. Yeah, this Dave. is the first one I played. I think the second one I played was Galactic Attack by Tandy, which is it's not as good, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and when I bought my very, very first rainbow, which is August of 1982, because it suddenly showed up at a random computer store here in town, this was one of the ones they advertised on the back cover from Spectral with six of the games, and it was, I think, their newest one at that time. Mm. That and the, one that, the one I used to play was called Glaxons. Yeah, that's Mark Data Products. That one's a bit different, though, because that has, like, vertical movement and yeah. you know, some other extra things. That, and, yeah. And it's a lot slower than this. Yeah. But for 16k game, this this looks pretty good, and it works pretty good on on you know floating joysticks. Once you get used to centering it yourself manually, and uh, on obviously it's a bit easier on the auto centering ones. But bet you'd work good on Sheldon's controller. With or without carpal tunnel. The carpal tunnel is optional. Carpal tunnel not included. Use offer code Boxy Bracket for a free carpal tunnel. You said Galactic Attack was the one that you played? Uh, well, Galactic first, Attack was a Tandy it? one, and okay. it only had eight ships on the screen once. Now they dive-bombed and dive back up again and did a whole bunch of nice, nice formations. They kind of like flipped night around bombing. and did swirlies and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it had the night-bombing mode, and, and then once you get about ten, seven, eight screens in, the whole fleet just dive-bombs you all at once, so you get all eight ships coming straight at you every time. So yeah, it, it just didn't quite feel Glaxon enough. This one is closer, though it's much faster than yeah. the arcade. yeah. This one needs the low speed poke to slow it down a little bit. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we can run it in Sheldon's basic interpreter in basic, and that might slow it down a little bit. <laughs> we have to get the graphics stuff done first. Oh, yeah. We're on Stevie mode. <laughs> cool games. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good. It's a good. It's one of Spectral's first biggest hits because they had a few others previously, like Space War, which was okay color meteoroids which became microbes from tandy um but their first two really big hits were this one and ghost cobbler which came around at the same time all right all right so we if we exhausted this topic i think so i think we beat it to death it's time all right to reveal drum roll please all right so our game next week is dun, 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 dun. Ooh, mud, mud pies. pies. Mud pies. That's a spicy mud pie. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, yeah, you, I, th- yeah, I think you want an analog stick for this one because it does take into account more than just the uh, eight positions. Okay. Yeah, you, you can play it on a digital stick, but you won't have as freedom of mobility as you would with an analog. Yeah, because you can actually have it move very slowly in one direction and fast in the other direction. Like yeah, plus you can throw it, you know, angles slopes. other than forty-five degrees too. Yeah. So I mean, it's not impossible to play with a digital stick, but it'd be much easier with a with an analog. So and, and yeah. you want to explain the premise there, Nick? Well, basically, you're the guy throwing pies at these evil clowns. These evil. evil Wait a second. Why are all clowns evil? That seems like a stereotype to me. Unfair. Have you seen it, Stevie? <laughs> <laughs> I think that it explains itself. So you can collect the food items like the hot dogs and the fries and stuff, and you want to clear. You want to hit the clowns with these pies. These clowns also juggle and throw pins at you. Oh, okay. and, I, and I think you're free to leave the room whenever you want. Some of these doors are unblocked, and you can leave through that door. 
yes. to go from room to room. I think Simon so, was saying he has to go. Simon, thanks for being here. We appreciate you being here. And thanks for your help for the community at large. All the yeah, time. Simon's been a uh, mentor to all would-be assemblers for eons now. <laughs> Do what you can, what you have. And that's it. So, there it goes. All right, take yeah, care, All Simon. I got was poor looks, so I don't help much. So Yeah. I think that's basically it for the premise of the game. Well, yeah, it's, it's a clone of Food Fight, right? So the Atari Food Fight. Um, we had Food War, which was a little bit more like Food Fight because you actually had to eat the food objects. So in the, in the original Food Fight 2, didn't you have to clear all the food from the screen before you could leave the screen? Or did you just have to get to the ice cream cone and eat it? I don't remember what the objective was. To I, I clear, think you just had to get to the ice cream cone. Okay, so you yeah. just had to get to the ice cream cone to eat it. Um, so this, is, so instead of being an ice cream cone, you've basically just got an exit. So kind of like in the Berserk uh, motif, if you make it to the exit, you've cleared the screen and you move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's the purpose of picking up the food points, or does it regenerate health or anything too, or is it just a point grab? I think it's just point grab. Like a pick me up. Okay. Yeah. As yeah. hot dogs are, yes. Hot dogs, yes. Of course. Mmm. Mm. I'm not sure about eating the bucket, but okay. Maybe it's a bucket yeah. of Kentucky Fried Chicken. I don't know. <laughs> Ken Reichard says, watch out for evil bozo. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I should mention, too, it's a Computer Shack Mictron game. So it's, it's one of theirs along with Time Band and everything else. And it's one of their slightly later ones. I think these came out, what, about 80, late 83, early 84, somewhere in there. Speaking of Computer Shack, and I'm not sure where I saw this. I don't think I was hallucinating, but it's always possible. But somebody, was, maybe it was Facebook, somebody was saying that I had manned the... Computer Shack booths at Rainbow Fest. Somebody asked. Yes, I saw that too. Okay, and somebody said, "Did you work for Computer Shack or Mitchron?" He says, "Well, if you consider working manning the booth." And then somebody asked a question about, did you know, the the name Computer Shack got changed to Mitchron because Radio Shack thought it was too close to Computer Shack or whatever. So that happened this week, right? Yeah. I'm so sleep deprived; it's hard for me to remember what's real and what and what I'm dreaming about. But yeah, okay. So I remember somebody saying, "Yeah, I did man the Mitchron booth at Rainbow Fest." That's a cool claim the fame right to um have been part of that uh, i don't know if you have that in the news or not curtis but um no i didn't actually <laughs> okay. so thanks for bringing it up oh, okay listen yeah i found something curtis forgot hey let's i'm just here to point out your mistakes I forget lots yeah, of stuff so, yeah. my name even <laughs> okay dave phillips dave phillips says the first arcade game i ever observed with a 68,000 cpu was food fight okay i did not know that hey. that the arcade version ran on the uh 68k I didn't know that either. Yeah. So thank you, Stevie. Thank you, everybody who participated. Thanks, CRT, for the video and Buck Owens for the uh, for the uh, high score materials. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. That's it. Now. And, and thanks, thanks, Nick, for uh, for your fascinatingly awesome haircut that you're yeah. showing off oh, yeah. here today. Oh yeah. It's a beauty, eh? It is. It's dreamy. Yeah. So how many Canadians uh, do we have on now? We have Sheldon, Curtis, and Nick Brody. We have three Canadians. So I think we're definitely meeting our quota. That's our, that's our Canadian content requirement. That's right. Canadian CRTC dictated it. So. Yeah. Canadian <laughs> contingent has been met. All right. We got more show to in store, boys and girls. This fun train is just not going to stop rolling. Do we need a potty break or a commercial break before we get into assembly with George J? Does anybody need a break? I think I might need a break, but uh, I'm going to. I wouldn't mind taking one. I got to get another coffee. Okay. So, so we're going to take a brief commercial break of about two minutes or so. And then we're going to be back with more assembly with George Jansen after these words, boys and girls. How come every, how come every time I get ready, people want breaks? <laughs> I don't understand this thing. Oh, sorry, George. I'm just trying to be considerate of the uh, collective bladder uh, contingent we have going on here. Um, 
All right. Story. Uh, we're going to take another commercial break. Let's see what commercial. We already ran TV games, right? So what can we do here? A little bit of Coco Do. How about that? We'll be back after Coco Do, boys and girls. Coco Talk will return after these messages. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité. Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec and it stops working, is it now a Coco won't do? Hi, Ron Delvo, Timberman, Coco Fest. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference. Switcheroo. Coco3scartcable.com Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack Storewide Manager's Red Tag Sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Foppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Coco Talk. All right, boys and girls, what you've been waiting for? It's Assembly with George J. Get out your assemblers. All right, we're here, and we are back. I think this is technically... Well, we have a unique numbering system where this is kind of like part five when we rebooted back to basics, but there was a couple of parts before that, so this could be part seven. 
I don't know if we're doing octal or base 12 or whatever we're doing here, but yeah. So this is the fifth in a series of, yes. (laughs) What would this be in hex, by the way? Uh, (laughs) I guess still it's five, right? Oh, five is still hex, right? So uh, now uh, are we going to be using boxy brackets at all during any of this presentation, George? I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Here's our agenda for today, if we can get to all of it. Hopefully we can. Okay. Spin Uh, 26 special characters at various speeds. Spin 26. You know, in the past, we've just been putting words on on the uh, screen and letters Ah. here and stuff like that. Just learn all the different versions. A few instructions doing just some pretty simple stuff. Uh, well, we're going to do some simple stuff, but we're going to be doing some actual some motion around on the screen. So we got uh, three versions of the spin. Well, there's four. The ones for high resolution, so we won't do that one today. So let's we'll go ahead and uh, first of all, we'll demo exactly what we are going to uh, do today. Okay, and again, this is for beginners. So the rest of you guys have been doing this for 50 years, like me. Go sleep. <laughs> Ooh, ready okay i'm ready okay let's see now i gotta i gotta remember i gotta work this so yes i gotta work with the, the different set of screens okay all right is it a load or oh okay I forgot I had to use a different drive there for a while. All right, now I say run. Okay, it's going to say it's not loaded. Okay, that's one thing I wanted to talk about, okay? I'm not a real good basic programmer, but I know what I'm trying to interface the basic programs, the assembly language programs, and tested them. You sure can wipe stuff out if stuff isn't loaded correctly. You know, if you're executing certain addresses, it isn't loaded. I do that, stumble around a few times, so... I put a check inside the program to make sure that it is loaded. We'll, we'll look at that code later. But sometimes you execute an address and there's nothing there. You sure can wipe out what you've been doing. All right, now we got loaded. And we'll just run this program. How much you want to delay it? Let's just put it in there. I don't know. Put it in there. 500 to see what it does. Okay. That's all we're going to do. Look at that. Woohoo. We're going to spin some stuff around. We've got 26 of them spinning. Okay. Well, uh, let's uh, go real slow. So we can see each one of them characters. Yeah. Okay. That's all we're going to do in this one here. And we'll speed it up. Let's go with like uh, 17. Okay. There you go. You can already see them spinning now. You can already see what's going on. More time, we'll do one, and it should really take wow. off. Okay, so that's what we're going to do, okay? So we'll put in uh, and a basic program that works with either uh, spin two or three. So right, this one here is going to it's basically the same. We've got 20 things set spinning or changing. And each one is going to be going through the letters of the alphabet, A to Z. So let's try a 400 and see what it does. Okay. Each one of them squares is going from A to Z. They were randomly started, went through a random number generator. Wow. Started them at. So 
It's going A to Z through each one of the 26 different spots on the screen. And it also puts our speed up there. Let's try. Perfectly some. centered, too. There, it's going a little bit fast, too. Yeah. It's, uh, the speed of assembly. Let's try. That way you can watch them change. They're kind of, yeah. You know, going A to Z. So. No, we'll, look, we'll look at the code for that, too. Okay, It's, it's similar to the other one, but it, uh, having the, the 26 characters made it a little bit, uh, a little bit trickier. And demo the other one too. And likewise, if I run it, it says your program's not loaded. So, how do it know that? <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Yeah. We're programming. Okay, inner number of items. Let's uh, let's go. Let's go with uh, like 125 items and a speed of, uh, let's try 123, okay? I can't see much there. So we're passing variables from basic to assembly. Yes, okay, because it, what we're doing here, remember, we're beginners and we haven't learned yet how to take something, a number, and convert it from character ASCII input converted to a hex value. So we haven't learned that yet, so we're going to have basic do that for us, and we're going to pass it on to it. Later on, we'll learn, future installments, we'll learn how to do them things. Convert from ASCII characters to hex, you know, uh, digits and stuff like that. Okay, let, oop. Let's try 512 characters. And let's do a five. Okay, so we're going A to Z, 512 characters. Like we were before, we're just doing a 512. We still, you know, got a lot of horsepower. We That's still, impressive. Still got, some, still got some code in there that slows it down for, for it's when it's checking the keyboard, it's slowing down. Or we can do a 512 of them at a speed of, let's try 22. Okay, that way you can kind of see it. You just kind of, Washes the screens, it's changing, it's uh, doing all five twelve. So anyway, that that's the code we're it's code we're going to look at today. That is so cool. Much for, so much for the test run. All right, let me find the uh, code over here. Okay, here we are. This is uh, spin two. This is the very first one we did, where we were just doing the four little characters revolving around on the screen. All right, and we're using a lot of the same stuff we've used before. We're using the same uh, same include file that had all of our stuff that uh, we went, we we're going to call on uh, basic to use. Remember, we, stuff we're still doing, basic is doing a lot of the heavy work for us. Like when you uh, type in a, a number, okay, we're taking that number in, and basic is converting it to floating point, and then we say poke it into memory. It's uh, converted from floating point to what we want. I guess we should look at that basic program. That's probably what we should do to see exactly. Uh, so we can find it. It should be over here. Okay. Hope I can find it on the other screen. Okay. This is for that first two two examples, spin two and three. Okay. We know the pro I mean, we look at the assembly language program. We argued at I'm arguing at E00, way down there lower memory. Okay. So we're uh, peeking to see what's in that 
I get both of them here. I get, uh, I'm going to get you too confused like I normally do. Okay, we're arguing at E00. Okay. And the first thing we're putting in there to validate is an FTB. Okay, AA55. It's not a very usual sequence you're going to find anywhere else. You know, as far as an assembly language program or graphic stuff, AA5. It's kind of kind of unloaded stuff. And then we go back to our uh, basic a- program. That's what it's looking for. It's looking for AA at that address, okay, at E00, and it's looking at AD plus one for the 55. So your your uh, your assembly language program is basically seeding uh, two bytes of RAM with specific values that would not yes. a- normally appear in nature, and then yes. your program is saying, are these unnatural elements in memory? If so, my program has done its job. That's correct. If it's not there, it goes down here and prints out. Your program's not there. Anyway, right. So that's just a, a validity it, it, check. And, and the reason is, over time, I've learned that sometimes you. You know, I could have put up here at the beginning, load M. Right, 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 right. Okay, but every time you run this program, you're sitting there like we were running it over and over and over right, again. Right, 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 right. Keep loading, and it takes time and time and time. So I sure. Just no, I like this. This is clever. But if the program isn't in there, and you say execute, it's going to go wacko on you. Right, right. So this is, this is uh, kind of a safety check to prevent safety your computer check, yes. to go off in la-la land. Yeah. Right. And then the rest is just normal basic stuff. So I'm not much of a basic program, so I, I don't compact everything down into three lines. I use a lot of lines. Yeah, no, it's 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 easier to read this way for sure. All right, we enter that, and we make sure that it's within range, and we uh, convert it to, basically we're converting it to two bytes. If we're Can, could you just that. go into line 180 and put a couple of boxy brackets around program not loaded? That way uh, we've... <laughs> we've we've met the Sheldon McDonald criteria for the show. <laughs> yeah, that's the standard. Right. There you go. Oh, there we go. Brackets. We now have included boxy brackets in our presentation. All right. But that's, that's only, that's, it's only on. Uh, I know. It's, on, yeah, it's on just the, in the source, but still, I'll sleep better now. Well, so. it's not even over. It's not even over in the uh, it's, public. Computer. Yeah, that's fine. If you're doing a print with indirect. Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so back to uh, our code again, okay? we uh, That's that's what the AA was for, okay? Right, everything right. We poked, everything we did, we poked in the speed, okay? Down there in that other that, the basic program. It was at, you know, it knows it was at E02, so it puts whatever time delay we wanted, okay? So that's all, that's all that basic program is doing. As far as the program itself, okay, I'm defining the object here, it's... it's I put same as it's very close to a structure. If you're close to a, you know, understand C language, a structure, or a, I come to the old world of mainframe 360s and stuff like that way back in the day in the 60s, it was called a desect. Okay, so we're just going to cut, cut some. Uh, we're going to build an array, but within an array, we want each one of the elements to have. Here's the, what it looks like. Got a column, takes one byte. A row, one byte. The address on the screen. Okay. So there's going to be uh, two bytes. Okay, we have one, B for byte, B for byte, D for double in there. Okay. okay. Speed, time delay. Uh, we're not using that. I put it in there originally to do it, but uh, it, it's not, it's not used. I just didn't take it back out. An account. That's a pointer into a table that has the four characters that we're going to spin on the screen. Going to zero, one, two, or three. And then we're going to 
come up with the size of the object, okay? So it's an object is going to be asterisk minus the column gives us our size. I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to ask a question. Yes. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring up uh, another screen. Can maybe I can't. I got oh here it is. There. Is it easier to see that screen or the dark screen? Hmm. I'll let somebody else answer. I didn't have a problem with the dark screen, but okay. Maybe somebody viewing on uh, you know remotely might have a different opinion. So let's see if anybody yeah. in the chat chimes in. I mean, this, this is the compiled. This is the compiled one. It doesn't have all the reference and all the other stuff in it. Right, 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 right. I know it's easier to see. I got them both in front of me, and I can, I'm okay. So. Oh. Uh, I can. I like talking, okay, I like so talking. so we have one vote from Jeremy that says the light color is easier to see. All right, so. The audience has, at least part of the audience has spoken. There's, okay. a, there's a vote for light. Okay, Grant Leedy says looks good to me. And, and Grant has a hard time even reading. He's got like a first grade education, so that's a good sign. <laughs> um, uh, okay. All right, well, I'll go back to it. We don't have the, you know, the, the scroll over to see the... Right, yeah, yeah, the, the tool tips and whatnot. Or the number of references. Because if you use this thing, like I reference, I don't know if we ever showed you this, okay? Like it says three references. If you click on that, it's going to put the three references over here. And you can see where is it being used. And you can click on it, okay? And say, okay, oh, I see how I used it there. Oh, I see how I used it And then you can close that out. And that's so just that, the VS code that does that, right? Most the, most ones won't VS, do that, yeah. The VS editor makes it, makes it nice. Yeah. Okay, well, I will go back to the compiled version. Get all these buttons clicked here. There we go. It's the same other that's compiled, and it's going to have not have all that fancy stuff in it, and it will have all the address. Okay, so remember that object size was equated asterisk minus column, okay, which gives us, <laughs> it's, here it tells us it's six bytes long. That's the size of each object. We've got another equation here. Okay, it's just turning good for we're going to have a, a table, and within that table for our 26 characters, we're going to have to find how where's the last one. We're going to turn the high, uh, high order bid on for the last one. We got a loop counter every 15, or in the world of the hex people, 0F. Every 15 times we do go through the loops, we'll check to see if the keyboard's been hit. Again, we're arguing at E00. Valid code and our speed. Okay, here's our table. There's your the table four. of characters. Yeah, look at that. The four spinning characters. Okay, and for for Steve, I put them in as decimal instead ah, of Ah, look at that. Okay, here for you other people that really know. your five C. Yeah. Over on this side is where the uh, yeah. x values are. Okay, now we got here's our each one of our uh, spinning objects. Okay, the first one I'm, I'm going up and down. Okay, our column. We're going to start column 15, row 8. The address is 0 because we haven't, we haven't calculated the address yet. And speed, again, not we're not used. I just didn't pull it back out. And count is 3, okay? It can be 0, 1, 2, or 3 because we got four, four characters. 0, 1, 2, or 3. So we're going to start that one on the third character. So count is basically the active spin position. Yes. Okay. We're going to what character we're going to put on a screen out of that table. So that that's our first object. Okay. Our other objects are right here. Okay. Just this the column. X, Y coordinates and everything else. Row, 
The next two is the address on the screen. That isn't used. And the last one is the count with the clicker. So each one of these is one of the 26 characters. I just put random rows and columns in there. So the locations have been hard-coded. This table is basically showing you the XY coordinates to put everything in. Yes. Yeah, so on this one, I just hard-coded them all. Right down here is our, our very last one. Okay. And we had that up there, that uh, equate called object last. <laughs> So we're going into column 13 plus object last, okay, which gives us over here 8D. Normally that would just be 0D, but then here it's 8D, okay, that we'll be able to check later on and see if we're at the end of this table. Because if not, we'll go off to the end of the world before it stops. So so in that case, basically, if, if your your first position there has the high bit set, yep. then it knows it's at the end of the table. This is the last entry. That's the last one, yes. Now, I put a note in here because I found a, a, a flaw and error in the code when I was uh, double-checking it here. So I make sure the last row column is correct. If you was to put in here column uh, 80, okay, or column 52, which you only have 30, 32 columns, you'd have a problem. Okay, so anyway, I'm to make sure. I'll, I'll touch, show you about there. Now, actual code is already at 1,000 with our start. Right, so first thing we're going to do is set up all them objects. Remember, none of them had an address in it. We're going to calculate all them addresses right now at the time we start. So we load a register with the very first object. Okay. Go back up to the very first one, which is one here. And we branch to a subroutine called set row column. We're going to set up the screen address. Okay, now you're going to remember what we did for the past. Three right, you take the 400 and you add the X yes, and the Y. Sir. To, yeah, yeah. Same, same thing. Okay, we're just going to go through there. We're going to take the row. Uh, we're going to check the maximum. We're going to make sure that they're correct numbers. That we don't want to, you know, a little more. Our other code, we didn't do a lot of good checking. Here, we're going to say if it's higher than 31, or high, I'm sorry, 15, it's it's. If it's okay. If not, we're going to default to nine in there because we don't want to go out of bounds. And we'll reset it to the row. All right. We're going to uh, load in the, the length of one line, which is 32, and multiply it the same way we did before. Okay. We're not doing anything different. The only thing we're doing here is we're looking for that last last one. So we're we're doing an and. And remember your binary stuff. The last object we had a one in there, one zero 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 zero. Here we got zero 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 one. So we're going to find out if this is the last one. Okay. We're ending what's ever in B. We're going to strip everything off. I mean, so we're going to strip off the, the harder one, comparing B to the that. I'm sorry. Well, first, we're just going to get rid of that, and then we're going to see if it's a, it's the maximum columns first. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. So if the column is okay, it will fit. If it won't, we're going to default it to 17, storing it back. Clear A, add our stuff, add stuff, and then we're going to store our addits. The same calculations we did for the past three or four weeks. Okay. I didn't, did, is the one episode I missed where you went over anding and oring? Because I understand what it means mostly, but I don't remember you covering that. I believe so. Did, did you cover it? That must have been the one week I wasn't here. Well, we'll go. We'll try it again. No, no. I mean, I understand. You know the okay. the binary concept of it. Right. 
Yeah. Okay. And so what we have, we calculated that address like we've done the past three or four weeks. We're going to store that address back here. That's where we stored it, right there. So each one of them now has a has an address and account. So we go through all, go through this loop right here, set row. Here's where we load our column up. And then we here, we, we end the check to see if it's the last object. Yes, we're done. Process, go on. If not, bump to the next one, go back to the top, calculate the address. So we're going to get all 26 of them addresses calculated and stored back in our table. Okay, so this is like an array. Okay. So, so is that kind of like self-modifying where it's going back and filling in the values? Yes. Okay. Okay, so it's, you know, because afterwise you'd have to hard code them. I mean, if you want to go in here, you've got something wrong, you can go in here and change All right, so rather, rather than pre-calculating it and then typing it in manually, this routine is figuring all that out for us. So you've given it the X and Y coordinates, and now it's, yes. it's going to take that and, and multiply that out to get the exact screen location. Yes, yeah. and, and <clears throat> store it right back, store it right in there. And we could add another 50 to this table or take 20 out and... It's, it's going to work because it's going to calculate. You don't have to worry about calculating it. Yeah. I wouldn't consider this exactly self-modifying code because that's not code. That's actually just data tables, it's, which uh, you've so, been modifying so it's, all the time. So yeah. you're just, you're just re, repopulating a cell within an array. Yeah, the, no, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't hear the word code in there. Yes, we're, we're modifying this array. You're modifying the data set. Yes. Okay, yeah. so right now the data set's been loaded with zeros, but now we need to take the first two numbers, crunch those through the calculation machine, and then that will plug in that extra column in the data table with the the net result of the multiple the addition of multiplication on those. Right. So uh, now we're now we're ending up with the, an address, a screen address. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is this is kind of what I've done for some of my games right now to pre-populate things based on. Like, I would run a four next loop you know, from 0 to 31 to 0 to 16, and then multiply those, add 10, 24, and then I would create a lookup table of, you know, of the 512-byte screen based on XY coordinate. So it seems like you're doing a similar thing to what I've done in the past. Um, yes. Okay. Well, it's just it's kind of, you know, common stuff. Just because we're going to get, get that. We're making okay. It, we don't want to calculate every time we come through here. Right, so it preloads the table once. So this is kind of like doing a for next loop to fill in your data set with the numbers. Now they're there. Now they, those become the reference points. Right, we're looking for speed, so we got to have get it populated one time. We're done. Right. And when it's done, we come down here which, to the main loop. Okay, the first thing we do is that uh, delay count we have at the top was a uh, fifteen. So basically, every fifteen times through this loop, we're going to check to see if somebody hit the keyboard because we don't want it every time. We don't want to go too long without checking or we'll miss the, the, the key down. This code is kind of self-explanatory too, I think. Address of the very first object, which is that the very first one at the top. Branch subroutine to show character, what the same thing we've kind of done in the past. Right, we're going to point to the table. The table is what it has in four characters in it, four spinning characters. Okay. We're going to load B with that count that was in our array. It could be zero, one, two, or three. Okay. Load A, the table, and B off of X. Okay. So X bytes off of the beginning of tables are zero, one, two, or three. Uh, we did, load up here. We did, load our address of the table, which is E004. Okay. And then B is going to have the count that was. Down here, this count, 
in our table. Okay. So now we're pointing here. You, and you, you, use, you, you started off you, arbit you started off arbitrarily on character three, which is the third one down, which is the forward slash. Yeah, and if you look at a table, I just use randomly so it'd all be different. Right, 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 right. Now, I don't know if you've gotten there yet, but I'm not sure how you're keeping track of when we've reached the end of the table and, and rolled back for each character. Because it's almost like that number, in my mind, needs to be in a separate array, or is it just somehow... We're going we're gonna to get there. Okay, all right. So I don't want to get ahead. I'm just, I am just like That part has not been clear to me yet. Okay. No, okay, so we're going to... We're beginning a table... And our count is three, so it'd be you know zero, one, two, three. It's going to end up pointing to the very first time this character right. Right, which is the six F or the one eleven, depending on. And, and what I, I'm going to have to go back here. What I did was, uh, right here, load B, right there, load A, and then we're going to load the address. Remember, we calculated the address and stuck it in the table. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so B B has the actual character. Here's the address at X. A had, I'm sorry, A is it? Store A, like we did in the past, put our character on the screen. Okay, our, our count is still in, in register B from up here. Now we're going to decrement B. And that's going to subtract one. Let's go back in that table. So, right, so we started on we, we started on three. Now we're going back to two. Right. Okay. Okay. Now branch of greater than or equal to zero. Okay. Whenever you see that, it's, it's is, it, is it greater than or equal to zero? Yes, it is. It's because it's two, so it's greater than. So we're going to skip down here. Oh, it. so you're going to keep decrementing that number, but once it's less than zero, because it's as if it's equal or greater than zero. But we're going to branch here, and we're going to store that count back into the array. Oh, okay, so you're just reloading. The, that's where I was wondering, how are you keeping track of where each one is? Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. So let's take an example. The next one has, has a zero in it. When it comes through, we print the zero character on the screen. Right. We would B and go to a minus. And then greater than or equal. No, it's not greater than or equal. So load B and start at, at which is that. which is absolute three, which brings us all the way back to that first forward slash, which is the end of the table. Exactly. So each count. Right. Each count so the basic. Yeah, I got you. The basic equivalent would be like X equals X minus one. If X is less than zero, then X equals three. Yes. Um, you got it. Yeah. OK. Gotcha. That's what it was. That's exactly what it did. Showing that character on screen. That's all it did. OK, so we did that. Uh, we had that speed. You type basic. We did uh, speed from one to fifteen hundred. Right, 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 right. So that's setting that variable in register right. X. Okay, and we're gonna do, yeah. We're just gonna sit here and do this loop here real quick. Okay, so this is like a right. you know for X equals one to speed if and yeah. then wait in next next X right. So right. we load we load a thousand in there. We're gonna do that a thousand times. Yeah, it just goes X equals X minus one. Are we back down to zero yet? Don't then keep going until you hit zero. So yeah, like you said, it's four next loop, one thousand to one minus step minus one. That's what that uh, the basic put in. So once it gets down to zero, bang, it's gonna fall through here. All right now, here's where we're here's where we're, this line here's where we're gonna check for is this the last object in the list? Okay, remember we had that higher order bit. Andy and R, we're going to load that into A. 
going to do and they, and I guess we need to do another segment on that there, Steve, because I don't know if we, I really went into it that deep as far as, I haven't, we haven't done a lot on exactly what are all the instructions do. Okay. Uh, but, and, and a means both sides of this equation here have to have, the bit has to be on. Okay. This, what's in A plus this here, they both have to be on. All right. This is hard to expect. I'd be better if I had a pen and pencil, I could draw it out. For yeah, 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 yeah. Both of them have to have the bit on for it to satisfy. Okay. So if, if the, if the column figure that we had, had that higher bit on, and our last object is on, it's going to, the answer is one. Both on is a one. Either one off is a zero. So here, and this is asking the question, branch not equal. If it's not equal to zero, go do the next one. Okay. So in this case here, they're both on. So therefore, it will fall through. Got it. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and don't don't take it much deeper. But yeah, yeah the, I, the idea of the anding is you're looking at the high order bits in this case here. So um, if, I thought, if, yeah, I think what what I should have did, and I did it in in the when we get to spin four, I did it I yeah did it different. Okay, I I made it completely different. So I will do that in the future. Remember to get better with ending and oring. I would yeah, actually, I would, I, George, maybe for a future episode, fairly quickly, because you will be doing doing the logical stuff like or and XOR, et cetera, quite a bit, um, is maybe just show how a truth table works so people can see, like, if you take this number and you and it with this number, here's how the bits end up. Yeah. It'll make it a bit easier to visualize. Well, yeah, see, I started that out in the very first uh, one or two segments that we started, and we said, oh, so you need to really go back to the basics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. 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 I wanted to be able to do that, also print them out on a screen, but I, it, it was, that was way too far advanced. So what I, what I'm, this one, I did it. And the next one is going to be the same way. Spin four, I would add another table entry in here with hex Fs in. Just, you know, all Fs. And come down here and just compare it to Fs. It's Fs where it's in the Right, because that would be the high order bit would be on. Uh, that's just basically putting all everything on on one, all bits right. on. Yep. So anyway, we were checking here. If it's, it's the last one, if it's not equal, go, go back up and loop. Loop again and go so the next character, speed, bump, 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 bump. And finally we get down to where it is the last one. Okay. Point to the next out deck the loop counter. It, it's just a basic going through this loop. I mean it's what is L E A? It stands for load effective address. address. Okay, which is whatever is stored in U. Yeah, Basically what that means is U equals uh, U plus the value of OBJ size. Remember, OBJ size was the size of an object up here. So six bytes in this case. It's the size of the, the that entry in that array. Okay. Yeah, so that basically ends up being U equals U plus six, so it'll point to the next object in the object table. I lost where I was. Here we are. Okay. Right. We're just pointing. We're just bumping through the array. Go to the next, okay. next item in your array. Okay. And then we're we're decking our loop counter, which was just a, a 
delay count to check the keyboard. So every 15 times, this, once this gets down to zero, we're going to jump subroutine and check the keyboard. If not, we're just going to keep it going on. That's that's what that delay count okay. is. So, so, you're, you're not, you're, so it's a loop within the loop, so you're not checking for a keyboard every single cycle. Right, because um, it, it's very expensive to go out. Just doing a jump over key in and bad. All this key in is just looking for a key pressed. If you jump subroutine to get a character, it's very expensive, okay, because it goes through lots of gyrations. Okay. But yep. anyway, this, this here is just a, a, a half a dozen instructions for key down. Just keep branching and then just goes back through the loop, back through the loop, back through the loop until if you finally hit a key, branch always the done. Done is the next instruction. It's kind of redundant to branch because it's already there, but it's back to basic. Yeah, so actually, you've got that pressing. branch done uh, remmed out right now, so it's not even in the code. Oh, that's right. Then. I did. I, you're right. I did. I commented out. I seen that. So that's kind of silly. Or maybe I had one point in time I might have had some other uh, coding. I don't know. Understandable, Steve. Fair, yeah, fair, fairly well enough. And enough for me right now to not. I mean, it's going to be pointless for me to keep asking a lot of questions until I start playing with the code. But I'm following the logic for the most part. Um, okay. And I, yeah. Yeah, I, I I was able to think a few steps ahead enough to ask you the question of where <laughs> where where are you keeping the 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 dangle of the angle of where the spinny things at and and you were able to make me understand that so yeah that's good. All right, we'll move on to spin three, which is the same thing. Other than we're going to do the same twenty six characters on the screen. Oh wow! And we're doing and we're going to spin A to Z. It's cool. Almost Almost the same code. We got this, this is all the same row, column, speed, count, object size. All the same. Validation code's the same. Speed's the same. This our is our table, table now, and this is a much more simplified table because it's just one character per entry. Um, we're not doing no, the three no. variations, or are we? The, the, the other way, each one had one character, and this is one character per entry. It has, has twenty-six yeah. entries at the table. Right. Remember the other one was zero to zero to three. Right. Okay. So instead of it being a four a four object table, this is a twenty six object table. Maybe I'm yeah. getting that confused with the other one. The next the next table there. Okay. That one's still somewhat as complex because you have your x y coordinate. You then have to do the math on that to fill in right. what the screen location is. Um, and, and here our count. And this one here is, is one through twenty six. Or one through twenty. Yeah. Here's the twenty fifth. Yeah, zero to twenty-five, so it's twenty-six inches. That's right. The first one is zero count. Okay. And the last one is twenty-five. Okay. So we're doing the exact same code, other than there's just a couple I should have highlighted them in here. The wide might have been the other code. We're looking for the end of it. To, is there the twenty-fifth one? If it is, we'll uh, run about our business. Okay. Sa same code. You know, okay. We can skip. Step through it, but it's basically the same exact thing. Right. Code. Okay. Other, other, we're looking for the twenty-six. Now, on this one too, in your tables, your x, y coordinates, you've pre-populated those, so those have been hand coded ahead of time. Right. Your zero, zero. Your thirty-one, fifteen. Your twenty-nine, ten. Right. So that's all your x and y yes. coordinates. So you already just kind of fiddled those in there. Right. Well, the first thing we do is go down and calculate all the addresses. Again. Yep. Yep. And, this one, and that and that updates the table. 
the only difference in this program, in this program here, is we're looking the way we're looking for we're looking for the end of this twenty five. You know, there's 20, 26 letters in the alphabet, or zero to twenty five. Right. So when it gets to twenty five, we're we're going to zero it out, clear B, store it, and start back. Now, go scroll back up to the table again. I just wanted to see how you were doing your initial set. So that's all sequential too in the table. So the first yeah. character is A, and then B, and then C, and so on. So that okay. Right. This gotcha. is table entry zero. So when we get to twenty five. Right. We're clearing it out, and our count is zero, so that's our very first entry. Right. So we're looping through when we get you know, each one of these gets we go through there 26 times. So position zero, comma zero, which is the top left-hand corner of the screen, that's going to be character one, which is the letter A. Then we're going to the end and halfway down, and there's your B, and yeah. Okay. Well, not, not really, because the very first one is this one up here. Oh, Okay. Oh, 15, and 15 and 8. 15 and 8, which would be halfway across, halfway down. That's the A, and then, that's, then there's your B, and then your C. We're off by one. Yeah. Okay, I forgot yeah. to subtract one. Right. Gotcha. This one here is the B. That's the B, and that's the C. the C, right? Gotcha. Okay. So the okay. first one is is not in the table necessarily. No, it is, too. It's in the table. Yeah. It's just, oh, He's it's just, just formatted it differently this, so it, it, it breaks out how so the he can, table So you basically is. can comment the the heading columns, for, the headings for yeah, the columns. Yeah, so you can comment yeah. like each each of the six bytes in the table, here's what they mean. And then okay. on the other lines, he just combines so, them into one line. So what this is showing me is that a table could be done as a bunch of vertical steps or a series of horizontal steps, depending on how you write it out there. The commas is just feeding in. Yeah, I mean, literally those 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 table entries from 1 to 25 after the zero one's done, he could have made it five separate, or sorry, six separate line or five separate lines of FCBs, just like he did on the first one, but it, you'd have to type a lot more, right? Right. So this is just a way of compressing the listing. The first one shows you, you can see what the structure is. Right, okay, is. that just broke it down, okay. Yeah. So 15 across, eight down, uh, the address is zero, which is the which is the starting value, but that's going to get you're going to add hex 400 plus 15 with eight times 32, and fill that all that stuff in, right? And yeah, and, uh, okay. correct. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so that's breaking down the Barney style of what's in these columns. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. It, this one did do something different. I forgot. It, it does. It prints the speed on the screen. You know what you typed in? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the same routine we used last week. Same exact routine, just printed it in a different place. Okay, that's it's the same same. But we're, here's where we're printing it hard coded. Remember last week we printed it at the status row on the bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same same exact routine. We just give it a different address. Okay, and that's a hard coded location, which is fairly dead center to the screen. Button, button exciting there. Yeah. Okay. Four. 512 characters going Ooh. through different speeds. A little bit different. Okay. My butt sword is chair here. Okay. Here we got a real small table. We go, the only thing we have here is the address and the count. We didn't, we don't have the real column. We're just going to, we already know where we're going. We're going from hex 400 to hex 5FF. So we're just yeah. going to really speed this one up. So all our table is going to just, that's all it's going to have in it. Okay. Now our table at, before was at the very, very front. This one, I'll scroll down. This one here, our table is down here. Arg to 1000. Okay. It's going to be 603 bytes long if you do the math. Okay. Anyway, that's, that's, 
we have nothing to start with, and we'll we can look at it in memory, and that's where it's gonna that's where it's all gonna end up. Here's our valid codes. We're not using AA and five five. We're using A five A five. That's the insurers. We have the correct. Sorry about that, George. That's all right. But we had a we had a breakdown in in the streaming coming out of my house. I was on Zoom, but I couldn't stream, so I had a breakdown in output. But now Mark Mosley has picked up Slack, and I forgot where we left off, George. I can completely apologize. Um, we're on our new example with the A through Z, A through Z, yep. and I don't remember where you were. And we're, we're, we're pretty much at the beginning. Did you pay your electric bills at the problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're still on Zoom, so Zoom is still working on my internet connection. This is somehow me getting to restream is not working. So, thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to uh, pick back up here if I can uh, remember what what is. All right, I'm going to run this again to show you what we're going to talk about here. So you know, okay, we go okay. one to 512 characters. 512 will fill the whole screen, but if I go 400. Right now, all we see is six, eight, oh, nine, oh, seven. So I'm not sure if we're looking oh. at what you expect to be looking at. I guess I need to turn it on. There you go. All right. I go uh, 123 characters, 123. It's just going to split it in the middle of the screen. Okay. Okay. It's calculating half of the uh, top and half at the bottom. That's that's what the code we're going to look at is. It's and right now we still have a 6809 ASM kind of superimposed in front of the Coco screen. Just just so you know. Okay, we're back now. And now I see yeah, your, we see your no, source now. And now we see your source code. Okay. That's all we're that's all this routine where we are. We're up here. The maximum number of characters on the screen, minus the number of what we typed in the basic program. Okay, divided by two. Uh, roll that other bit into there. We'll talk about them bits later. Don't worry about it. Now, D now has a number of blank characters at the top and the bottom. Okay, so all we did was just take 512 minus what we want to print, and half of them go to the top, half to the bottom. Add the beginning of the screen, transfer D over to X, and for just for no other reason in the world, we're going to store X in the random number seed generator. Okay, that's just if you type whatever you typed in, we're going to. Let's calculate. We're going to make the uh, seed different every time we run this thing in the uh, random number generator, because uh, we wanted to. All right, our loop counter, the number of items which we typed in on that first screen, anywhere from one to five, twelve. We're loading it up in in the U. All right, now we're going to. Uh, Every time we come through here, we're going to update the random generator number two. Okay, we increment it. If it's not equal to zero, go on. If not, we'll. That's just keeping random really random. And when is random used in this program? When we're building our table. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. We know, we know we've got 512 places on the screen, or we're going to have some number. But mm. where do we start? Where do we start in the table? Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anywhere from zero to uh, 26. So we're just going to get a grab a random number. 
Okay, we're going to our address. Remember, we calculate before we calculate a row column. Mm -hmm. Or at this time here, we know that the beginning. We're just going to add the one to five twelve to the start of the screen because it's yeah. We just easier. We just calculated that here. We took our five twelve. We split it in half, and we got an address. We're going to store in our address. Here's where this this particular letter is going to go on the screen. We're going to load it up with B. That's the maximum number of characters, and we're going to do a long branch subroutine. They're random, and random is down here. Okay. I take no credit for this. I found this sample program ever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple, okay? It loads up some doves, does some shifting, some rollings, et cetera, et cetera, and comes back to you. And it does random stuff, right? That count that comes back, we're going to save that in our count. So it's going to be in between uh, 0 and 26, I'll tell you that. So... We've got, we stored an address and we stored a count. That's all it's in our table, right? We bump the next entry in the table. We just take our address and add, basically we're adding our size of our table, which in this case here is only like uh, three bytes long. Bump their next screen address. We started out at some place that uh, we kept recording. We're gonna add, go to the next screen location. We're going to reduce our count by one. Our other count was up here, number of items. We typed that in, we're anywhere from one to 512. We're gonna decrement that when we get down to zero, means we're done building our table. If not, we're gonna go back up and come back to it. We're gonna go through and build the table, anywhere from one, whatever number we typed in, one through 512. We're build okay, so rather than before where you programmatically typed in table with all the columns and stuff, where this is now, procedurally filling in a table. Um, yep. Because we know the screen address is at 400, yep. yeah, we don't, we don't have to bother multiplying X times Y and all that nonsense. Cause we're, we're doing a linear, just uh, we're filling from left to right based on a constant starting point. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So, so we built uh, some amount of entries into the table and we're done. Uh, now we're clear out our, uh, Okay, the, the very last entry, we're clearing out the address. Before we've stored some other address and we're gonna clear out that way. At the end of the table, we're not gonna do that and an or in that bit. We're gonna be looking for hex zeros. It's, the zero is gonna be our indicator that we're at the end of the table. Understand? Um, yeah, enough. <laughs> oh, okay, we went to. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to beat you up on that, but yeah. Yeah, basically the address is is like the pointer on the screen, right? Which is yeah, a 1024 to 1535. Right, which right, means right. if you so, set the end of the table, like the the 513th entry, for example, we selected 512, it'll have zero in there, and we'll know that's not a legitimate screen address. So right. we'll do a check to see is the address zero. Well, then obviously we're done. Does that help? Yeah. It, it, it's another it's another way I, i'm trying to mix things up when i do these things so do them different ways so there's more more than one way to skin a cat if you, do it, if you don't like the way you know the end and or of a, a, the bit you know set it to some other value and then look for that value here we're looking for zeros all right here's our main line here's our loop counter this is going to be pretty much the same as the other one okay we built we built the address and account. And we're going to go through each one 
here's our first first item in the in the uh, array. Branch subroutine to show the character, which is the same thing we've been doing for weeks. Okay. Load up the table. This is a table that has A to Z in it. Load the count. It's going to point to 0 to 25. Load that character. Load our address where to store it. Store it. And then increment it. If we're at 25 means we're, you know, we're at Z. Because right. If it's, if it's less than Rikuguit, if not, we're zero. We'll set it back to A and store that and go back. Same same loop as we did on that last two uh, demonstrations here, until we get down through the uh, get down to the end here. Okay, we got to do that same jump, uh, looking for the key in, and just keep going about our business. Go through this loop. Right there, we'll reload it. Once we get through there, go back and go through the loop again. Go through the loop, go through the loop until we're finally done. Once we finally get hit on the keyboard, we're done. And that returns to basic. It's, it's pretty much the same routine as the other two. It just, it just had a little bit different. Now, what I don't remember was when your, your A through Z thing, does it, once it goes and decreases everything down, does it stop or does it start over again? I don't remember that right part. Here. Right here. We started We started with zero. Right. Okay. If you start with zero, you go until you, you know, if we increment each time. And once we get to 25, okay, that was Z. If it's less than or equal, we skip and go back, you know, save it and go on for the next time. When it, when it gets, when you just put a Z on the screen, we're going to, Clear it out, which is an A, and store that in at the count for the next time through for that. Yes, you're resetting it there. So, so, it is, so it is resetting. So this will run infinitely until you press a key. That's what I didn't remember. Does yes. it keep, it keep yep. cycling? Yeah. Yep. Until you hit a key, then it will fall through here, and we're done. Roger that. There was this one here. We built this table out here in memory and no telling what was in there, but we just built it out there, and we ended up with uh, 603 bytes. Maximum. Right. And so that table consisted of a, of a linear sequential um, screen location and, and a random letter to start with. And yeah. then as we go through that table, we're looking at the letter, we're incrementing it by one, seeing if it's wrapped from Z, if it wrapped back to A and, uh, and rinse, lather and repeat. Yeah. Um, yes. So I, I was able to follow this logic enough to realize that you were actually filling in a table without coding in the table. So I'll give myself there. <laughs> <laughs> so here's, the, here's the, you see that it's that Yeah, but we, we also see six D809 ASM on top of the screen. So I need to get that thing turned off somewhere. I just turn, there's a little eyeball thinkers uh, that you can yeah, click on to, to turn it off. I need to find it, so. Yep, there we go. Okay, now we see it, okay. So if you so if you just run this again and, and now the cursor is not blinking, so I'm not sure okay. if it's okay. Do you have that to dump on there? Yeah, we see. Yes, we do. I can that's, smell it that's, too. That's yeah. the that's the table right there. Okay. Okay. Three by three. So that's the table that you loaded. So we see here. Um, Read address on the one. The last time we did it is zero four C two. And then we have a, a fifteen, which is your ASCII character. Well, actually, no. That's just that's the counter into the table. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, because you got 0 to 25 
pointing to the letters themselves. Yeah. Right. And 15 would be 21 in, in the real world. That's hex there. Yeah. That's okay. What, three byte enters in a table, an address and account. Address 04 Charlie 2, 04 Charlie 3, 04 Charlie 4. And that's all it is, is just a screen address. Okay, so 04 Charlie 2 is the screen, and 15 is the character that's on that one, but it's a hex, yeah. not a decimal value. Yeah, yes. and then the next one is okay. 4C3, so the next character over on the screen, and I've currently got a, a one, which would be a B. That one. Yeah, and I don't know where Zero we is A, one is, etc. Okay. I, I don't know how many entries we put in there, but we could find a uh, down there somewhere there'd be a, a an address of zeros. It might be right here. The zero 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 would probably be the one that kills the table when you get to the end. When we find them zeros, that's the end of the table. Okay. All right. Let me uh, back to where I was. We have too many things. And the only reason why that makes sense to the program because right now i'm looking at just those string freaking hexadecimal characters but your program is being told how to parse this data as it's reading it through um yeah it's reading little three byte packets which is basically yeah. where on the screen am i what's the character that's currently yeah. there and this kind of this kind of reminds me of what has to happen like in ethernet and other network protocols too it's really just it's a bunch of data but how do i make sense of the data how do i you know so uh, that's kind of interesting all right. Yeah, so bring it up again. Let's watch it running on the cocoa. I want to just watch the letters spin for a minute and be mesmerized by it. Because <laughs> I'm uh, I'm definitely attracted to spinny and shiny objects. So <laughs> there we go. So yeah, let's run it again. I just want to watch. Okay, run. Right, let's do let's do uh, two fifty five. Let's do half a screen, and then let's do a half a speed sixty four. Five sixty five. There close, we go. Close to it. All right, we got a half a screen worth of goodies, and and this is just going to keep spinning forever. So it is actually incrementing, not decrementing. As I can see here, it's ABC. I'm looking at the first character on the left, LMNOP. So yeah, it just keeps adding one to that yep. number. It checks to see if it's on character 25, with his, which is our Z. Right. And then we put a zero in there, and the next time through, it puts the A because zero is A. Zero to 25, zero to 25. Right. And in your routine, the reason why this stuff is always kind of center justified, depending on how many you told it to, is that it's just taking the constant position of the screen start and it's adding the character uh, to that. Well, uh, the, the number of characters is 512, right? Right. Full, full screen. And you said put in there 255. Which is half of that. Yeah, or close to it, yes. So so we took 512, you subtract out the 255, give you some number, and you divide that by two. Okay, that's the number of blank spaces at the beginning and the number of blank spaces at the end. Got it? Yeah, yeah. and the reason why this is not looking like the same thing is because you, pre, you pre-populated random characters in the... Uh, in the table and then and then you're just incrementing them so it's going forward alphabetically from whatever random letter it started with in each of the yes. characters but in the table each, all all uh in this case you're all 255 is going to a to z they just all started out as a random different place yeah 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 yeah, yeah. no that's neat all right let's do something like uh 
No, it's still too fast. That's pretty fast. You still can you still can't see them, but anyway, they're all you know, yeah. You can see it, see it good enough. Yeah, you, you can see them better if you do the whole screen and just pick out one of them that you want to see. You just right, look like, at one character, like in yeah, the upper left corner. Upper left hand corner is going off. It's incrementing alphabetically. L oh, and it's going to get up to Z, yeah. and then he'll flip the. Hopefully, it flips over to A when it gets to Z. And while this looks slow right now, it's because we put a big delay in it, like kind of that four next loop to delay. But it also has to go through more iterations of the screen update per loop, too. Yeah. So it's it's doing 512 the, updates now per screen. So, yeah. Yeah, it's doing 512, and we put a real uh, slow timer in there, too. Right. Or if we go... Uh, Let's try 512 with, with the smallest timer possible to see what the maximum speed of this would be. In. Oh, they did the wrong way. Oh, so the, the number of the... the is it 125? Would that be fastest? There you go. Yep. It, it yeah. could go faster. This is a, a, a limit I put in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. But you can see the, the the speed of assembly. We are blasting 512 bytes on the screen. We're making comparisons and we're incrementing and then we're rolling over. So there's logic in here. And um, assembly is wicked fast. Yep, that's pretty well the same. I just, I just put 125 in there. You know, we could have put something in there, you know, 400, 500 in there. Yeah. But I figured that was fast enough that at least you can see what it's doing. Yeah, no, I like it. It's neat. All right, so much so spin one, two, three, or two, three, and four. Spin one is basically the same thing I wrote uh, originally, but it's for a high res text screen. Things I'd like to, other things I'd like to talk about if we got some more time here is what we're going to, where we're going to hopefully go to one of these days. Please. Uh, I would uh, like to somehow get to, is that showing on your screen? Yeah, we see it. Yep. Yep. Okay. You know, uh, BASIC is doing all, all the heavy work and the stuff we're doing. You know, we're just uh, biting some code and poking some numbers on a screen. We're not getting uh, input from the, uh, the keyboard other than as somebody press a key. Or in some cases, of our other examples, we look for you know look for the letter Q, the letter A, one character. We've never taken a string of data in and manipulated it somehow. That being uh, the first example up there on top, a decimal in. If you get an ASCII, if somebody types on a keyboard one, two, three, four, that really is in hex when you you're going to work with it, it's going to be four dog two. Down there in the middle, that imp, the input, I, well, you can't see it. I'm, I'm, I'm running over what's the output here. It says input one, two, three, or three, one, three, two, three, three. That is what we need to work on someday. I don't know when that's going to be. We need to think about that, though, because if you type in one, two, three on the keyboard, you're really getting the hex 31, 32, 33. But to use the 
that number, it needs to get converted to hex. It needs to get converted to a 7B. How do you do that? Okay, well, we've got routines. I've got routine after routine after routine that we can actually uh, do all these various things. Uh, somebody, you want a hex number typed in or display a hex number on the screen. Oh, it's the hex out in hex. If you run, you want to run some tests, you want to know exactly where you're at. And you're debugging, you can put it in, but we haven't done, done that yet. So that's something we need to think about we're going to do in the future. Not next week for darn sure. Okay. Uh, what can we do with, with both basic We've seen uh, today, uh, Shelton shows some very good things you could do with. Uh, right now, your first slide is still on top of stuff. Okay, here we go. Spin. Okay, now we're back. We're talk lab number seven, right? Spin yeah, two. we're back. Spin, we're gonna okay. Talk about. okay, this is All the right. inputs and outputs. Next week, I thought we'd do some stuff with some uh, string data. We've been using a lot of number stuff. Okay. Uh, this, this is subject to change if you want to. I've got, like I say, tons and tons of common routines, you know, I call them link labs or whatever you want, whatever mm -hmm. they want to call them. Uh, and and I, I just need to know where, where everybody wants to go. I mean, I, uh, like I said, after a uh, hundred years of coding, let's see, I've got uh, this. No, I'm trying to find, I, I'm, with OCB, we're, I looking, get, we're looking at your includes right now. Yeah. I'm trying to figure exactly which, Okay, I find. I think I might have might have found the right one. Object last equal. Uh, okay, yeah. Okay, all these all these different routines. Okay, we're talking about you know uh, that we that we need to get to someday. Okay, I if you up here at the top. Okay, I use them with uh, LW tools. Okay, use it, it the linkage editor, the link mm -hmm. map, all these subroutines, and I've got you know bushel baskets full of subroutines over the years. And I, I put them in uh, where you could import and export like a, in the uh, some worlds in the Windows world are called DLLs, dynamic link labs. Mm -hmm. In the mainframes, we used to use linkage editor to link, you know, common stuff. And that's that's what I did. Or I also have these same things in another file where you can just include them, you know, as opposed to linking them together because Using his linkage editor, it works, but that's not the easiest thing in the world to use. But you could also just include this file or a file like this here and all this code, and you you know, just you'd never have to see it, it just would be in there. This here is taking a decimal number in, like one, two, three, four, and getting that four dog two out. Okay. And it said normally you could just include this here and be in your code. Is four dog two similar to three dog night? They played it there. Were the they were the backup. They were the backup. The backup opening act. No, they, they didn't make it. They didn't make it. Okay. Anyway, that, this here's all the code to do that. Bring that one, two, three, four, and make it four dog two for you. Okay. That's the code that, that you don't want to code all the time. Or you can use basic. And in a lot of cases, it's just easy if you're just doing one or two numbers, because they do all the heavy work. They con they convert everything to floating point and back up. So, but if you're doing a lots and lots and lots of conversion of numbers, it will slow you down. 
Like in mm -hmm. the last example, we looked at that random number generator I put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if you do that, when I uh, I had a, in the high-res text screen, I've got the sample where we put up uh, oh, how many characters is that? 80 times. That's 320. 80, 80 times, times 24 is 19, oh, yeah. 20 characters mm. times two, because you've got an attribute by it is 3,840 characters. I do a random number on to fill the screen in. And if you go off doing their random generator, you can just see the screen almost crawl to a stop. Mm. That's slow, but if you if you incorporate the random numbers in your code, it's just instantaneously compiles the screen because they convert everything to a floating point and back and forth two or three times. Wow! And like all these other routines, but I have you know like these, these different decimals in you know, and some of them take a lot of code converting it. Uh, back out and I got examples in there anyway that's things we can things we can look at uh we got another I got another uh, math library okay which is also include math you could include that in linkage editor bring all the math stuff in okay for for dividing dividing a a a by b uh Dividing x by x, you know, sixteen bit division, which is not easy to come by. Basic can do it for you if you just do it one time. But if you're flashing numbers on a uh, a tech a graphic screen and you've got a lot of coordinates going on, and you also want to have a dashboard there displaying, you know, angles and speeds and rows and columns and areas and stuff like that, going over to Basic to do these calculations for you can really really slow you down. So you right. think about using, uh, if you're doing basic, to go off to one of these routines and use this this type of routines, and you can get to, to these routines from basic. You just have to you know, do a little bit of work, but it, it's it's possible. I will, if I can get back to my screen, we will. Okay, can we see the cook screen again. Okay. I'll get my cocoa stamp. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over to an eight uh, eighty character screen. Okay. Go with drive, drive six. How is that even possible? <laughs> what sorcery is this? Six drives. Well, it's really got 255. But. Oh, you're doing a hard drive image. Yeah. Okay. One, one and two is the uh, uh, DSKs. That one's just a hard drive image. Okay. Okay. This is this is a basic uh, basic program. Okay. And it uses uh, the functions that come with basic. You'll see them down there. I don't know if you can actually. This cursor doesn't show up too good on here. But the define user. Mm -hmm. And the user zero, okay, I'm gonna define it at some place in the memory, and some are gonna go execute. And all it's gonna do, this is for an example, show you a pop-up window, okay? This is basic going off to assembler to give you a pop-up window, okay? There it is, it popped the window, it pressed any key, okay? And it restored the background and... Yep. And it could be anything you want to do. You can do most, most stuff. I just did that. That's all it did. Just to show you, that's basically going off to a assembly language program somewhere else. Okay, I got another one here. It's called pop in for lack of not being too excited. This one's going to take input. 
Okay. Oh, okay. So that's a pop-up input box. Yep, it's an input. Okay. And it will give it back. See, and I printed it on the screen. Return that's what was returned from that routine. So you so that that box that came up was in assembly language. You you yeah. keyed you keyed data into there that had to then be transferred back to a variable that basic could uh, handle. Yeah, and basic can handle anything like that, but the problem is basic it's hard doing them pop-up windows. You know, right. You can't really get you can't it. really get in text screen. Yeah, we all well, you can, but it's really tough. It's really tough to do. I right. Mean, so you're loading that off. With, especially you're working with the high resolution one, okay? Right, right, right. Because right. it's often uh, it's off it's almost kind of swapped out from where you're actually in. You got to swap it in and out, which is this is doing. It's swapping that whole memory bank in and, and manipulating it there. The, the key point here is you can use assembly language routines in your basic programs by using the featured functions that they give you, the, the define user and the user zero. You can do nine of them. So you could have nine different routines out there that you can use and, and go off to do this, some of the super fast stuff. You just have to, and we'll, we can go over them and show you how to do them. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I've got the code that did this here, so it's not it's not rocket science. It's just a, a lot of work. Uh, well, not a lot of work. But right, right. So this, this is taking it up a notch further where you're now incorporating a routine into a basic program. Yep. And that's what, I mean, I got a lot of pop-up ones. I got a pop-up ones that there. There's all kinds of stuff, you know, that's for my system, but, you know. Yeah. On menu option. Oh. Right. Okay, here's a, going to do an 80 character screen. Uh, RGB, what's that? That's basic. Basic is writing them characters out to the screen. That's basic, writing them out. Okay, we printed 512 characters on that 80 character screen. Now, here is assembly language is going to put random characters and random attributes, attributes. on the screen. Yeah. All of uh, what were it? 1920 characters. Here we go. A little bit faster. A little bit faster. It was a total of. 3,840 randoms, and then now I got a pop up window there. We can hit a two and we can do a sort. If you look in the upper left hand corner, you yeah. it's spinning. Yeah, it's spinning. Yeah. yeah. This screen reminds me what happens if I pull out a cartridge while my Cocoa is still running. <laughs> yeah, this, this is cool. Sorting and it's spinning it by the character and even the attribute. Some reason I can't get it to stop. Uh oh, machine is taking over. Yeah. Armageddon. Armageddon. There it is. There <laughs> I'm trying to come back to life. Okay. Let's, uh, we'll go to 40 character screen. It uh, will sort much faster on a 40 character right. screen. Right, right. But I'll say it's uh, doing, just doing a normal sort, you know, based on the character yeah. and the attribute. Yeah. It kind of looks like arcade machines you first turn them on to when they're trying yeah. to boot up their ROMs and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, we can, uh, well, that's okay. It, it does a lot of things, but you know, it's just the thing is, you can do a lot of stuff with the. Uh, oh, then there's a million things we could do, and I and I, I was asking you this question before before the show, George. I need to ask the people who are on the panel and watch too, but. Uh, I was trying to gauge because I know my work schedule has been so hectic for me to be able to, um, as you like to say, piddle with some of this stuff. I haven't been able to piddle with it too much, but I'm trying to gauge how many other people are doing any of this. And, and are you getting some response or feedback? I think you mentioned you weren't getting a lot of questions, but while we have some people watching now, I'd like to hear some input 
from from anyone out there if if you know if you guys are getting anything out of this i'm you know and um george is open to questions and suggestions and that's what the discord channel is for uh i right now i'm doing my best to just kind of mentally stay along with you i am fairly well processing this but i need just some time to actually you know get this into the keyboard play with it which i fully plan on doing um I know I'm going to get something out of it for myself. So selfishly, I know this is going to be good for me, but this isn't just for me. This is for anybody who wants to learn assembly. So um, why don't we open this up to the audience for some input on where the series is going for you guys. Who's planning on doing anything in assembly? Who's planning on something or just even doing these examples? This is kind of like what Sheldon was saying earlier. Sheldon was saying, you know, he started, he started out by just typing in stuff from the rainbow. So if we're not even, if you don't have plans to make your own program from scratch, if you just wanted to keep just reusing these examples to see them work for you, um, who's doing it or who wants to do it? And what kind of questions, comments, suggestions you have from people in that regard? Uh, Fred, <clears throat> Fred Provancha in the, in the chat says, well, sure, I'm liking it. It's just that people are on vacation. I've been pretty busy late, lately and on vacation. It is summer holidays. So I think that is part yeah. of the yeah, lack of feedback. Yo, gotcha. showed, showed him sort of some very neat tools that he's built. Okay, here's here's another one. We're very similar that I built. Okay, spotlight you again, unless maybe do I, am I still spotlight or do you have to control the spotlight now, Mark Bosley? Since you're uh, streaming, I think you're still host. Um, so should I make you the host, Mark B? Uh, well, when you finally drop off, I'll be host probably. Well, I just made you the host. Yeah, okay. I think you were the co-host before, but um, can you spotlight George? Yeah, let me find the right buttons. Because I, I was able or to we unspotlight. Can, we can do, you know, if we've got too much going on, we can do this. There we go. Next week. Spotlight George. There we go. Okay, so what are we looking at here, George? All right, that's a similar... Tool. I mean, I don't have an IDE, but this is, I'm using a, a tool shed. Yeah. You know, which is a, a great tool. It does all kinds of stuff for you. You know, uh -huh. like you said, it's, it's a command line base. So I just wrote a C program uh, to do basically the same stuff. Like I, I'm going, here's the, here's the, for the schools here. I've got a disc. I can, noise. Oops, I'm a little wrong here. I can select that and I can look at anything that's on that, on that disc. Okay. I can take that basic program there and select it, and I say, get it for me. Whatever's on there, I can say, okay. Mm -hmm. And well, the, the, the other window popped up over here on my screen that says, okay, I've got it for you. Now I've got it over on Windows. Now I can do whatever I want to with it. Likewise, so you wrote kind of a GUI from it front to the CLI uh, tool shed yep. program. Yep. And just all you do, uh, initiate disk you can add a, a program okay you know make them 35 40 80 tracks right they basic they data they assemble they text etc they binary it, it, all the things you can do the same stuff that that uh tool shed do for you i just wrote a little front end for it and see because i like everybody else so some of them commands are so long and cumbersome you put them in a program a little c program that uh take care of it for you Oh, okay. I see. I'm because I'm not streaming anymore. I don't see the stuff. Looks like Grant Lady had 
tried to do a comeback with me. He says, you should go back to preschool so you can understand better. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Grant. Nice try. <laughs> Marco says, I'm following along with his lessons, but I haven't been able to uh, get into it really deeply. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's probably enough for me for this week. Yeah. Yeah. No, but um, don't want to overdo it. Yeah, the good news is, is these things are going to be on YouTube forever. Uh, one of my projects as well is going to be to, um, to uh, I'm going to pop out these segments and make them a separate video series that we can replay later on. So there'll be a playlist. Okay. What I did with the Steve Bjork stuff where it's just a separate playlist where they can go through the lesson. So I'll at some point I'm, um, edit that stuff into a new playlist um, for people to get. So this is going to be a resource. For start, sure. Yeah, start with uh, 216 because the first two don't count. Right, right, right. Well, I was going to do because I was even going to go back to where you had come on a few weeks ahead of time uh, pre-announcing it. So I was going to do that one as kind of the intro. I got to find that that in there and then um, and then start with when we went back to basics and uh, start from there. Yeah, and I'm sure where somebody would write something. I mean, either I've either done such a great job that nobody has any questions or such a bad job that everybody's left and went to got rid of their computers. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get me an Apple II after this, man. <laughs> well, the, problem with, the problem with that, they, they have to have code in them too. But yeah, I'd like to hear from somebody what, what you'd like to see, what we need to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going to start with, you know, Ben Nelson will start working on some of these different uh, libraries, these link libraries that we can include. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe Sheldon, if you want to, um, maybe if you want to, if you don't do it now, I'm sure you guys could probably share some chatting on board or something. And maybe uh, the thing that I would like, because I know there are people who are much more advanced than um, myself, like a beginner. And the purpose of the channel we have in discord for assembly with George J is to kind of stay at the pace and where we are there. And so as much as people want to be helpful, I'd almost say, don't try to be too helpful in that channel because that channel we kind of baby step way through the learning process second channel that's just an assembly channel so if you guys want to sit here and talk assembly routines and swap more stories and authorization uh stuff like that the channel for that but i would definitely like to have some input from people a little bit further down the road um but just bear in mind anything any answers or input you give frame it in the context of somebody like me who hasn't done it before needs to understand what the heck you're saying (laughs) so um but yeah, but we know we did spend a good chunk of time on that. And I do appreciate it, George. And so Discord is where more discussions can take place because we do have more show to do still. Um, so next is what now? News and then updates and acquisitions. I was going to ask, like the show has been pretty long. We had a long interview. Uh, George had a longer than normal segment too. And we didn't have a lot of news this week. So I can hold off the news till next week and we can just go straight to project acquisitions. Okay. If you want. Yeah, because I know Ricky, you had some stuff you want to go off. Well, like they say, no news is good news. Yeah, right. <laughs> George, thank you. I appreciate it. And this resource will, will it, it will gain more ground. I think as more people are aware of it in summer and schedules and stuff. Um, I understand. Kind of, and there, sir, yeah, yeah. If somebody didn't understand something. Just let me know, or if they would like to say, well, how how would you do this? I've been more than happy to. Like I say, I've been retired since uh, 2005. You know, 40 years of assembly language programming, mainly on mainframes. But uh, I'll be happy to help anyone. 
No, yeah, one, one thing I would mention, George, is on maybe on the next episode is kind of go through the logical operators and how those work with the truth table or something, just to, so it's more visually, you know, what, yeah. you, what happens when you do an and with the, these two numbers, like. Yeah, it's probably good. Yeah, the, the whole. The, yes, I I agree. Well, you know, for shifting bits and ending okay. and oring and exclusive or stuff like that, and make make up some examples. I would do that. Uh-huh. All right, I'm out of here. George, so we're just going to go straight to updates and acquisition, right? Yeah, I'll tack in one little news bit at the very end there just because it's it's timely. It's happening tomorrow, but uh, I'll do that after the presentations are done for the updates and acquisitions. Okay, okay who's well, our first victim? I'll just jump in with a share screen if I can. Um, yep. Sharing the wrong screen. Okay, are we here? Disto, Disto too, too Meg. Meg. Yeah, let me uh, just take I over the work. So last week we were talking about uh, the two Meg upgrade came up and uh, it's power dissipation and heat and all of that. And I couldn't help but think about this thing, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the same situation. It's a RAM board. Well, actually two RAM boards and a controller. So the same thing as the Disco, just a little bit bigger. Um for a company, <laughs> <laughs> right? And with so its this, own external case. This gets you a whopping 32 megs of RAM or 128 megs if you use four meg sims um, per module, this being a module. And you could put three of these in the 16 slot base unit along with seven whopping 46 CPUs. So, anyway, just what, what system was this on? This is the Wise 9000i, a system that the company no, no longer admits they even made. Um, <laughs> it is, they have expunged it from their history. My, my former company bought some of these, and there's a good reason why they expunged it from their history. Was, okay. there, a, was there a chip shortage? Was this yeah. the cause of this? <laughs> it, it, looks like, it looks like an aerial view of a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And remember, you could have three of these suckers in one cabinet. Wow! So I couldn't talk about electric. <laughs> talk to, yeah, this this makes Coco five twelve two meg thing. Uh, yeah, my priest. Okay, so here's a CPU board for wow. that same system. You'll and notice one chip. Is that six? Is that RAM or else. is that like system RAM or cache RAM? No, next this, to this is this is cache RAM. So there's one 486. There's two sets of everything else. So they ran two hey, cores. Hey, I've lost internet here. <laughs> Mark B lost internet. He says, oh, uh, "I've read zero. I'm not, yeah. I'm not transmitting." Yeah, and it's buffering. The feed is buffering now too. So this might be the end of the. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm about okay. to give. Hit with a thunderstorm. So all right. So I think the show has has ended. Has um, done a mercy killing. <laughs> sorry, Rick. We'll have to pick this up next week. We'll just we'll we'll take it from the top next week because nobody. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, has uh, has spoken. Yeah, if you don't mind sharing with us, I'd still like to see it, but I don't think we're live. Well, wait, wait, wait. This picking up. I think it may be may have picked up. I'm still red, but the kilobits are picking up a bit. Okay, let's give it a second. Nah. I'm back to green. Here's a nice segue into software anyway. So we'd mentioned that uh, last week a sculptor came up, and I mentioned it had SQL. Well, I have to add some boxy brackets to that. There were actually two versions. <laughs> there we go, boxy brackets. Here they are. 
this this earlier brown version, which doesn't have a whole lot of tabs, and this later blue sky version, which is the one that has SQL in it. Uh, so okay, if, a few more tabs. Want, so if you want the really cool version of Sculptor, look for this one, which is uh, 1.16 for OS 9, TAN, CC3. So that was This was also cool. available for the PC and a bunch of the you know, Unix oh, workstations Everything and stuff in the too. world, yeah. It's hard to believe that Coco could run a SQL language database. It's pretty good. It's not Postgres, but it's pretty good. Yeah, I, mean, I think if I remember correctly, Rick, we were the only eight-bit system that got this, weren't we? I think so. Yeah, I and then OSK had it, and then uh, a bunch of other machines we shall not name here. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> according, according, okay, that's weird. Like I'm watching Restream preview, and it's still showing your memory board, but my YouTube feed shows the SQL manual on my TV. So I guess YouTube is in sync. Uh, Twitch is current. Okay. The one, the one sculptor question I'm left with is, what the hell does software touching all sides mean? Does, does anyone know that? <laughs> MPD. Is this a maybe that's a state. Maybe that's the company's mission statement, saying that they have software for all needs. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we don't know, but uh, it's it's words they chose to put. There's, on their there's, there's it could just mean sides. they use double-sided disks. I don't know. <laughs> then. Then I started uh, thinking about, you know, other expensive Cocoa stuff. And uh, we've got to start with OS 9. Um, for the whole thing, you need OS 9 MultiView. You got basic 09, but then you need the DevPack and the C compiler. That gets you up to about 350 bucks um, before tax. So that was pretty healthy for a Cocoa, considering the machine didn't cost that much. Um, looking around more, I came up with, Dynastar, but that's only 150 for Cocoa. You'll notice it's 400 for OSK. So, ouch. This is a pretty pricey package here since it has both versions. Thank you, Frank Hogg. Yeah, Dynacalc was also in there too. So, yeah, there were a lot of Dynas, but this was the one that hit me. 400 bucks for this? I remember watching Dinosaur on TV. Now, though, these, these, to be fair, were originally sold for industrial OS 9 systems like gimmicks and smoke signal chieftains and stuff, and that's where that pricing came from because it was a very niche market. So exactly. You wouldn't be making that many. So when they came over to the Cocoa, the prices were originally very high to match the originals. Some of those did actually drop after, like, say, six months or a year when if they could sell enough of it on the Cocoa market because the Cocoa market was pretty big compared to the the regular right. OS 9 machines. So, and to be fair, I wrote everything in Dynastar, so that's why I have this. Um, <laughs> and then finally, I came up with this. Does anyone know what this cost? This is. Hold on. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Wait for. We got Cocoa Max. We've got font disks. Uh, a Cocoa something CP. Is that a color printer driver? Yeah, the driver. And that's the high res interface and Max Edit. Okay, is I'm going to Max uh, 10 as well, or no. Uh, I don't think it was in this this bundle. So is this the whoever gets closest without going over prices right type thing? <laughs> I don't know what it cost. I just figured uh, oh, this I'm going to be a pretty pricey Cocoa. Here. I, I do remember just... at one point Cocoa Max 3 plus Max 10, which was their WYSIWYG desktop publishing, was $79 combined. I'm going to say, oh, that was probably three to $400. Yeah, you got the font disks and the printer toolkit and the driver for your chosen printer, which I do remember were sold separately. And yeah, yeah, I guess and, it depends when in the Cocoa area you're talking about because, like I said, they used to bundle after oh yeah, a couple going, of years. We're going for the biggest number here. <laughs> oh, okay, we're going back to when Cocoa Max Street first came out, type thing. Yeah, 
That's well, yeah, gotta be got the, the, got the, the, high, the high res interface. Yeah. yeah. Max which, edit plus font disks plus the which printers. means yeah every one of these disks costs you money <laughs> yeah, yeah easily three probably three hundred would be my guess but anyway this is this is a box I came up with along the way so I'm kind of yeah nice collection that. you got a pretty nice collection there and what else have we got um, is this anything the OSK version anything like the OS nine version I know someone was asking about docs for this program and i've got a binder but i don't know if it has anything to do with any cocoa version i never saw the osk here. version i only briefly saw the 6809 version so i'm not even sure okay so well i may scan it anyway because it's in a binder so i can scan it without breaking the binding or anything so okay well that's cool and then oh finally here's the io board from that wise 9000 oh my god there's a motorola 68000 hiding in the corner and it's driving this whole pile of crap wow <laughs> what's, what's that chip in the lower left with the gold labeling then i thought that was a cpu oh geez i don't remember what it is um but yeah if if you could read it the sixty-eight thousand here is running the whole thing this was a a unix cage that just floated in space and had no io and it connected to this board which was all the io including a whole crap pile of serial terminals that everyone on the call center logged in. So I can see and the kind of ribbon connectors on the left side there of the PCB. I see on the back of that, you get like your coax and I don't know if that's 25 pin serial or if that's the old uh, AUX connector for networking on the back of that. Or, um, but so I can see how this would connect to another system with those edge connectors on the ribbon side, but where's it getting its power from? So this, this whole thing bolted to the side of a, I wish I had a picture of it. There's a big double wide cabinet that's about waist high and, you know, it looks like a mini fridge um, that powered this. And there was a VME bus on the top that they ran these multi-drop interfaces where you could put an endless chain of serial terminals onto it. Wow. But yeah, I, this finding the adapter to plug this ethernet into actual ethernet when I first got this box was the big challenge. Well, that and the power bill, because yeah, <laughs> it didn't uh, dip the lights. I wonder What's if the that? power plug is that one that's on the backside. Well, no, this, this board this board is completely a daughter board to the system. Um, the system being the mini fridge thing. Yeah. So it was powered through a bus connector, and it fed into it. And okay. that's that whole arrangement that these up to – seven or eight of these CPU boards plugged into, and then a bunch of these memory modules, wherever they went. So that went, that plugged into a backplane. Yeah. There was a giant backplane that all of that stuff plugged into and geez, I can't just find it was one of your first two these slides plugged yeah. into. Yeah. And oh, then, Lord. you know, so if you use three of these, then you only had room for seven CPUs. If oh, what a shame. Off, <laughs> oh, <laughs> But that's uh, insane, anyway. though. But and the actual CPU was an Intel based uh, uh, x86 486, 486 running AT&T Unix. Okay, three, three, what was it? V3R2 or something. Wow. So, yeah, this was my first Unix experience. Was this was our call center ran on for 15 20 minutes? At and a you time. lived, you lived to tell the tale. <laughs> God, you poor soul. <laughs> we also used this Unix database named Empress that was 
any description of Empress says it was fast. Okay. That's the only thing it says because that's okay. the only good point it had. Okay, it was fast. fast. <laughs> okay. Which, if you're running on 486s, is probably a good thing. Notice you um, didn't say reliable or inexpensive, just fast. Well, no, but it was fast. Uh, block not leaf. I remember that error to this day. If you Google block not leaf, Empress will probably come up. Uh, and you'll read all the horror stories you ever wanted to read. And I guess that's that's about uh, what I found from last week. So That's I'm, cool. I'm sure that's I'll have cool. another pile of stuff for next week. Digging into uh, the hardware archives. So I hope I've... That was cool. Thank my... you. Yeah, you stop sharing. That's cool, Rick. Thanks for sharing it. Oh, Does certainly. Anybody... Does anybody else have projects or acquisitions? I know uh, Jason wants to announce something for next week, and I have to announce something for tomorrow as part of like mini news or something. But anybody else have any uh, updates or acquisitions to talk about? Uh, my pregnancy test came back negative. <laughs> hey, Jason, negative. you're up first. I'm yeah. up first. Oh, uh, just just a brief programming note, I guess we'll call it is. Um, this uh, next, uh, what is it? Uh, next week, I'll be uh, traveling to uh, near Cleveland. We'll be going to the classic console and uh, arcade gaming show. And I'm hoping to do a little walk around during the show, kind of see w- see what's there and uh, give everybody a look. Oh. In the, in the cool. biz, that'd be known as a remote. A uh, remote, yeah. yes. A remote. Yes. Jason's doing on location. Jason on location. Will be. Yes. Reporting live on Report. the spot. That's right. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see if we have a Billy Mitchell sighting while we're at oh. it. Oh, oh my! <laughs> Can you get all his cheat codes? Never mind. <laughs> right. And then uh, the one announcement I wanted to make, because uh, Boat wasn't able to stay for the rest of the show here, is that the Amigos is doing their live taping marathon tomorrow. So they have ARG Presents first in the morning, and then they have a whole, I think, four shows in a row in the afternoon starting at 3 p.m. Eastern. So that includes the R. Sinclair show for the Sinclair ZX Spectrum, et cetera, the 1200XL for the Ataris, and the Coco show, which will be roughly around four. They're going to be doing uh, Pit Stop 2 is the feature game. And then they have their uh, Ask the Amigos, which is kind of an Ask Them Anything, which has every subject under the sun. It's usually pretty humorous, but that all starts live on their Twitch channel tomorrow at 3 p.m. Except for ARG presents, which is in the morning. 3 p.m. Eastern? Eastern, you betcha. Okay, okay. Florida time, as you call it. Florida time. Yes. Cool. Good show. Minor internet glitch. Thank you, Mark B., for picking up the slack. Uh, you were you were threatening to have a storm shut you down there too, it's but uh, just about here. Okay, so maybe we need to cue the outro and uh, do closing credits. Uh, I don't know if you can even see it here. Yeah, kind of sort of. Yeah, a lot of green swirly stuff going on there. Yeah. Yeah, reds and yellows. So just about here. Yeah. Um, all right, outro. Uh, let's let's just skip the video. Let's just uh, switch the scene to the caboose, and then we'll just do parting thoughts, and then press the button. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you, George J for your, uh, segments. Thank you, Sheldon, for being our special guest today. That was fun. You got a lot going on, sir. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've been showing off bits and pieces through the years of things that you're doing. And so it's always nice to hear firsthand, um, you know, what's going on with that. And speaking of which too, we should just plug one more thing. Um, 
L. Curtis, that we have been doing. Um, Curtis is doing a phenomenal job um, wrangling together people from all around the European region for our Dragon Special that's coming up. So he's been doing all kinds of email uh, coordination. We've been doing some Zoom test calls. We're getting to talk with some people that we haven't necessarily spoken to before. And so these kind of pre Tests are really good. It's very exciting. The Dragon Special, which is when, August 14th? August 14th. It's the official date now. Yes. This is going to be on the scale of like our virtual Coca Fest. It's just going to be a bunch of presentations. It's going to be people we have, uh, for the most part, have never really spoken to or heard from before. But it's a great mix of luminaries and, and up-and-comers and streamers and people working on hardware and software projects. We're going to talk to Karen, who's made XROAR and has got some software projects he's done. We're going to talk to the guy who created the BIOS for the Dragon. We're going to talk to um, John uh, Whitworth, who's doing that Dragon board. There's just so many people. Steve Bamford. Yeah. Uh, Currently this- confirmed there are 16 guests we're going to have on. Yeah. And we've yeah. done Zoom test calls now with 11 of them. So, yeah. We got a guy in uh, Spain, was his name? Uh, the, the guy in Spain, Roberto. Uh, yeah. Roberto. So, we're going to hear about what, um, what's going the on. The Eurohard Dragon, which is the people that kind of took it over after Dragon Data you know, yeah. went under. In the, in so, so that Dragon Talk edition that we're going to have is huge. It's going to be huge. Yeah. It's going to be huge. We are also hoping to get some interviews, like full-blown interviews, because, I mean, this is going to be such a large show with so many people on as guests here. We're only going to be able to, you know, to do 10 to 15 minutes from each, you know, basically mm-hmm. just a presentation, a quick little question. And like a chat. speed dating thing. Yeah, you know? pretty so. much speed dating. Yeah, <laughs> go to the next table, please. Uh, type thing. But yeah, we're going to be trying to get some of them. And it sounds like a lot of them are interested in doing this and doing a full length interview like we did with Shelby. Yeah. Uh, Stuart project. Orchard who's going to be confirmed for the August the 21st, yeah. the week after. So, yeah. Right. So, um, and he's a game developer, both from the eighties and recently. So there'd be some interesting yeah. stuff to cover there. Yeah. A lot of cool good folks. Yeah. Hopefully the dragon people will realize that we're not dangerous and we'll get more of them on. We do have to tell them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good time. So I'm really excited about that. So the people that we haven't really spoken to before, so even just in these test calls, you can kind of sense there's some good warm and fuzzies. There's some cordiality going on there. So hopefully we're going to help bond the community even more. And um, and hopefully from this one special will come more specials and maybe more recurring segments with people coming on the show to fill us in what's going on in the dragon scene and hearing it more from the people in the know rather than us just reading a Facebook post and trying to guess what the hell's going on. So um, I'm really looking forward to that and that special and more forward momentum with the dragon folks uh, getting more, you know, giving, get more knowledge transfer in that area there. Cause a lot, a lot of stuff that we barely know about. So that's going to be cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, is that, and if so fi- final thoughts, parting thoughts, yeah, Nick Morota. Yes. Parting thoughts, Nick Morata. That was your thought. Parting thought, yes. That was my thought. Oh, uh, well, when Curtis mentioned uh, the Dragon Special, so uh, gamers get used to running um, Tryout X War because we'll be doing a couple of uh, Dragon games. So, uh, yes, yeah. leading, leading up to August that, 14th the- and August 21st will be Dragon games. Um, we're going to kind of, I mean, obviously the people on the show know what it is because they were voting on it uh, for the special panel, but we're going to keep that a secret. Or Nick's yeah. going to keep it a secret. You know, make sure I don't blab it out by accident, Nick. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a surprise you with a couple of Dragon-based games. You know, these are games that either originated on the Dragon or originated in Europe and the UK and were cross-platform with the Dragon being one of the ones there, but we never saw here as, as being sold in North America or Australia, for that matter. 
But right. XROAR, XROAR is super easy to use. It's, it's very similar to VCC in the way you it's used. So, uh, so um, yeah. And if you have any questions about that, I'm, Nick, you how to set you know how to set it up. So I'm sure they can ask you in the game on challenge channel or, or the, like that. the emulator channel too. Or the emulator yeah. Channel. yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, XROAR is pretty simple. I did a video on it years ago. You you extract it. You throw ROMs into the directory, and then boom, you're up and running. Um, it, yeah, it works a lot like VCC. It's got incredible artifacting. It supports you can swap joysticks on the fly, so you can kind of do a switcher. Uh, control J will swap left and right joysticks. So if you got the wrong joystick connected, it'll switch it. You oh, can nice. switch artifacting, all kinds of stuff like that. It also emulates Coco One and Two quite well too. So I mean, it, yeah. it can be used as a Coco One, Two, and Dragon Thirty Two, Dragon Sixty Four emulator. So, mm-hmm. um, what else? What thank else? You, Karen. Yes, thank you, Karen. And you can run it in a browser too. So there is Dragon Online. Yeah, if online. you go, That's right. if you go to the World of Dragon archive, or even some things in the oh, Color yeah. Computer archive. So I think something in the Color Computer Archive now too. There's a thing you can click on and you can launch it in a browser. Um, yeah, so true. I think there's a lot of titles where you can launch the title in XROAR from your web browser. So it can't get much easier than that, folks. Now Kieran is uh, asking <clears throat> for the authentic experience. Are we going to play everything through cassette? We could. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> um, load the cast file and watch the little thing blink as it's doing that. Um, yeah. So we'll have some Dragon games coming up. As a game on challenge, and um, thank you for reminding us on that, Nick Morota, Rick Eulin. Thank you for sharing. Any parting thoughts? It was fun while it lasted. Mark Bosley's got to get in his shelter here, so he's got to run and get his uh, mm. damn uh, tornado bunker. Um, uh, Mark B, uh, thank you, Curtis, for the dark news. Out there. Yeah, thank you, Sheldon. So we'll wrap it up and we'll get the hell out of here so Mark can get to safety. Say goodbye, everybody. See you next goodbye. week. Bye, everybody. Good night, everybody.